0: Hey kids, Scott Gardner of Two True Freaks here. If you're going to be anywhere remotely near Orlando, Florida on March 25th through 27th, then get your ass to Megacon. Megacon 2011 is happening Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, March 25th through the 27th at the Orange County Convention Center, Hall D, 9800 International Drive in sunny, magical Orlando, Florida. One day tickets are $23.96 in advance or only $25 at the door. Three-day tickets are 56.45 in advance or only $60 at the door. Kids 10 and under are free with paid adult. Just some of the incredible array of media and comic book guests include William Shatner, I've got the time! Stan Lee, my spidey senses tingling, George Perez, Michael Dorn, Lou Ferrigno, Robin Curtis, Jonathan Frakes! Gil Gerard, Aaron Gray, Cindy Morgan, John Schneider. Marina Sirtis, Kevin Sorbo, Mark Bagley, J. Scott Campbell, Howard Chaikin, Frank Cho, Amanda Connor, Darwin Cook, Michael Golden, the man who ruined the entire DC Universe, Jeff Johns, Ron Mars, Denny O'Neill, Jimmy Palmiotti, Roy Thomas, Mark Wade, my bestest pal in the whole universe, Bruce Boxleitner, and many, many, many more. Can you afford to miss out on all this awesomeness? I think not. Say it with me, William Shatner. That's mega in Orlando, Florida, March twenty fifth through the twenty seventh. Be there. I will be.
1: Okay, let's get this show on the road,
2: gang. I'm Batman.
1: This looks like a job for Superman.
3: Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Hey, welcome back to Comics Monthly Monday. I am Chris Honeywell, and I'm here with my co-hosts Scott Gardner and Michael Bailey. Hey, I'm sorry, I was drinking coffee. <laughs> you know, we. You know, I think we got to work out a three Stooges thing where we go, hello, 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 <laughs> hello. <laughs> <laughs> that would be uh that would be pretty awesome. unlike w- what that just was. And you guys can be two of the three stooges. I want to be Ethel Merman and go, got to sing, got to dance or some stupid ass thing like that. Hey, you know, that's funny that you mentioned that because I just hooked back up with on Facebook with,
0: with Ethel Merman? Awesome.
3: No. No, you bastards. <laughs> with Ethel Merman's you. granddaughter. You oh, you whoa. sarcastic mothers. <laughs> I actually know <laughs> Ethel Merman's granddaughter. She's a very nice she's a very nice person. And I haven't I haven't heard from her in years. She actually she sang Shield she book. sang Bohemian Rhapsody with our band once. And <laughs> one of the high points of our band's career we had Ethel Merman's granddaughter. She did not sing it in the style of uh, Ethel Merman, unfortunately. Oh, uh, uh, that, would, that would be awesome, That would actually. be awesome, but, you that know. That would be her, totally awesome. Her, her I voice doesn't go that too. way. I've
2: seen silhouette of a man's got a moose, got a moose <laughs> <the> from <laughs> the Pantango. Yeah. That would be, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. I'm just a
3: poor boy. Nobody loves me. <laughs>
2: He's just a poor boy from a poor family.
3: <laughs> it's nine in the morning, and my two roommates are like waking up out of sleep. going, Chris is singing Bohemian Rhapsody at the top of his lungs like a gay man in the uh, in his room. What's going on? What kind? What kind of podcast does he do first thing in the morning? Is it like some sort of like bathhouse thing? And I'll be like, No, guys, wow. it was Ethel Merman. Jeez. But, yeah. um, Already, this is my favorite Comics Monthly Monday episode ever. I'm very excited about this episode because the last one was just sort of like, hey, this is what we're going to be doing. And now we're doing it. You know, now now we're back into our regular grind before it's a regular grind. Grind. Before we get ground.
0: (laughs) Well, what do you say we get into this thing? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Let's, um, uh, um.
0: All right, so uh I threw something out there just a, just an idea off the top of my head. We're going to run with this for a few episodes and see how it goes and if it's uh if it's popular and if it works for the intended purpose of being the little icebreaker of the episode, bringing more a little more comic-y goodness. So I posed the question uh what are five storylines that you guys like better than Watchmen? So uh So give us your your list of five. We'll start with we'll start with Mike. I'm really curious. Five five stories he likes or five stories series, whatever you want to call it. We didn't really set a lot of parameters with this. Yeah. So
2: Yeah, I kind of I kind of did some self imposing on on how how I was gonna do it. And basically it was nothing the stories that I'm going for are between nineteen eighty three and nineteen ninety five. Because oh, okay. I figure that's like the lead up to Watchmen and really the last time, you know, not that people think of Watchmen, you know, the last time people thought of Watchmen as this great story. Because obviously there are still people out there that, that love it and kiss it want to call it George. Mm-hmm. That but are under the wanna,
0: mistaken impression that it's the greatest thing that was ever written in comic books, yes.
2: Um, I also want to preface my, my list with saying that I actually like Watchmen until the last issue. I think it is a very well-written piece, and I enjoy the characters, and I enjoy what happens in it. However, I don't consider it to be the be-all, end-all of comic book existence. So,
0: rather Preach it. uh,
2: My list, uh, I I was going to try to avoid other big stories like Watchmen, but given that it's things you enjoy more than Watchmen, uh, I actually included one of those, and I'll do that first, is Dark Knight Returns. Um, Dark Knight Returns, Watchmen, those were the two big stories of like 1985, 1986, 87 that, you know, were the game changers as far as how the civilian world viewed comics, because then you could write about it in Rolling Stone and seem cool. I guess is the best way to say that. Um, and as much as Dark Knight uh, Strikes Back sucked, so much that it had its own event horizon I, um, I really like Dark Knight Returns and, and a lot of these stories I like simply because they hit me at just the right age uh, I was about 12 years old the first time I read Dark Knight Returns and it was kind of a game changer in my head of, of Batman of what Batman could be I have since kind of amended my position but when you're 12 This shit happens. So, Dark Knight Returns, at least until the end where I think it kind of goes off the rails a little bit, has a great build-up to the point where Bruce Wayne returns as Batman. And I really liked the way Miller kind of showed us how he had given up being Batman, become something of a drunk, not a falling-down Tony Stark drunk. But, you know, he, he'd been hitting the sauce a little too much because Alfred makes that comment about there not being a wine cellar for the Wayne heirs or Rain, Wayne heirs in general because of his dating life. But then it just gets to the point where Gotham is so fucked up that he's just like, I got to put the suit back on because it's who I am. And I like that on a very visceral level. And I like his fight with the mutant leader and the fact that at first he gets his ass completely handed to him and then he realizes I have to fight on an entirely different level here and builds that giant tank Batmobile, uh, which showed up again in the cult. And I think that kind of ruined it a little bit. And then it showed up in in Batman Begins and Dark Knight uh, and Dark Knight. And I think that really, really ruined it. Was that the Tumblr? yeah, it, the tumbler was like a scaled down version of the tank. The, for although these the
3: tumbler sounds like something a drunken Batman would name his car, you know, uh, <laughs> call it the tumbler.
2: <laughs> I I would
0: disagree slightly that the one that was in the cult was the same one from Dark Knight. But I, I know where where you're going with that.
2: Um, well, it, it it was in Dark Knight Returns. He says, "I built this Batmobile." when there was a problem in Gotham and then a similar batmobile shows up in the cult afterwards as kind of a callback to something that happens in the future right so i think
0: you could argue the same thing though in in i wish i could remember the exact issue number i want to say it's number 50 in saga the swamp thing when when batman has to defend gotham from swamp thing when he's on a rampage he builds a very tank like uh, oh, Batmobile right. in that, too. I forgot about okay. that.
2: Yeah, I, 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 I never read that, so there you go. Um, and that fight with the mutant leader has one of the best lines, best badass action movie lines ever as he goes, uh, you know, he he breaks the guy's leg, just snaps it and he goes, something tells me to stop with the leg. I don't listen. And you're like, he's gonna fuck this guy up.
3: (laughs) That's a total Frank Miller line, too, from that time period. And when,
2: yeah, no shit. And when, you know, when you get into kind of the third issue is where it starts getting really kind of weird with the Joker. Uh, I didn't enjoy that as much, And, and the whole ending was kind of cool, but To me, those first two issues were where it was at. So, Dark Knight Returns is my first choice. My second choice is also a Frank Miller story, and that is Daredevil Born Again. Uh, Yeah. I read this for the first time when I was 15. My friend Jane had a friend named Duncan who was into comics, and he handed me Daredevil Marked for Death and Daredevil Born Again. That's
3: a great choice. I wish I would have thought of that. Um, Which one is marked for death?
2: It's a collection of, like, the... the, I think it was when he was still... When Miller was still working with a writer on Daredevil. It's, uh, it's a collection of stories where a mobster puts a hit out on Daredevil and he ends up fighting the Hulk. And the last story in the collection is where oh, okay. he tells Phil Urich his origin. And then I read that, and then I read uh, Born Again. And... I'm of the opinion now that I think we can kind of go back to the fun, swashbuckling-type Daredevil, that it doesn't always have to be the most depressing thing you've Mm -hmm. ever read in your entire life. But at age 15, I mean, I'm a sophomore in high school, I'm expanding my comic book horizons. Born Again was one of those stories where it's like, holy shit, look what you can do with this character. Where he's completely broken down to his essence and then has to build himself back up again nowadays that shit's cliched (laughs) but back then it was like oh my god right uh artwork you would think that i wouldn't like it because i came up on john byrne and i liked people like jerry ordway and dan jurgens who have these very sleek very illustrative story uh art styles mazichelli doesn't have that and yet I still love the art in the story. I
3: love his so, art, he, especially when he was doing like that his his Daredevil stuff. It was he he captured a lot of what I liked about what Miller did when he did Daredevil too. But he had his own style about it.
2: But but it wasn't Daredevil fighting a bunch of fucking ninjas. Right. It wasn't Daredevil dealing with you know Electra any or no, anything. It, was, kind it of was New
3: York City more than anything
2: else. You know yeah, feel it, to it. It was. Matt Murdock having everything taken away from him, and what do you do then? And you know he kind of goes crazy for a little while. He ends uh, one of my one of my favorite scenes because it works on so many levels. Was when they sent the crazy guy in the daredevil costume after Phil Urich, and Matt has to go bail him out. And you have Matt fighting Daredevil. That's right. And it's just like and reclaiming himself during the fight. And the whole thing with nuke was a little weird at the end. I got the sense that Miller just didn't really know how to end it. Because that was kind of a weird way to do it. Uh, Though I like nuke as a design. (laughs) That dude with the American Mm -hmm. flag painted on his face. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one of the things that I remember from that part of the story is Miller's description of how Matt would see Iron Man's repulsor ray. Where he doesn't see the ray, but he feels the energy coming from Iron Man's hand and knows that if he lets loose, I'm fucking dead. But the action in this thing is awesome. There is a line in there that has stuck with me right at the beginning of the story where he goes to talk to... It was either a cop or a private detective who had dug up information on Matt Murdock... And the guy breaks a bottle. He goes, I hear a sound that belongs in a CD inner city bar. And I'm like, wow, that's, I was just like, that's amazing. Because it, it, it gives you like this whole visual sense of, of what it is like for, for Matt to be in a situation like that where he, he can't see, so he can't see him breaking it. I mean, he can sort of, but it's more of, He's
3: putting it audio. together. And, yeah, he's putting it together from his radar vision and his audio and
2: And what he would associate that sound with, which would be in a bar fight, basically. So love that story. I've managed to get it in single issue. I just need one more part and at the end of it I'm gonna pay like a total of like seven bucks for all six issues. <laughs> Maybe a little less. I, I don't even uh, whereas... know if I even have that still. Whereas the trade's like 20 bucks, so I feel like I'm getting off really good there. Um, Third one is a DC book or a DC storyline, something that Scott and I will be hopefully covering at some point on Tales of the JSA. And that's the first 10 issues of Infinity Incorporated, the Generation Saga. Oh, yeah. Where the sons and daughters and godchildren of the Justice Society basically have to fight their mentors because they're all not the mentors the band but their mentors uh and not mentor the <laughs> that guy that that would be interesting around. though <laughs> and not mentor yes it would god those people were crazy uh and not mentor the guy that rode around with billy batson on the mentor. that would be awesome um but it was a interesting way to establish these characters who had, been, who had first appeared in All-Star Squadron but were kind of the villains and mind-controlled so you really didn't get a sense of who they were to introduce them to the reading audience Roy Thomas and Jerry Ordway showed them how they relate to their specific uh, adult counterparts and how they had to kind of overcome by fighting them they were on their own basically and prove themselves that they can do this. You know, it's kind of like in a bizarre way, the, not that I, I, I never had to do this and I doubt either of you did, but you know, if you, if you're the type of person that, you know, the day you had to call dad out and fight him in the, in the, in the driveway, basically when you were a teenager, I
3: can take you now, old man.
2: Yeah. It it was basically (laughs) like that, but with superheroes and a naked wonder woman. Um, it's an overstreet. There is an issue where basically Wonder Woman's dead body is lying naked on the uh, coroner's table. See a little bit of nipplage. It's not pornographic in any sense of the term. But what, well, it, on it was a new point of view, I guess. <laughs> it depends on your taste, I, I would assume. But as, as awesome as the story aspect of it, the artwork in this story is just fantastic. Ordway is one of my favorite artists ever. Yeah, he's great. So I just absolutely love seeing him draw those characters and draw older versions of the characters and Power Girl having to fight Superman and, you know... Um, Nuclon having to go up against the Atom because they're under the control of that river of evil or whatever it was called. And it, 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 it's a story mainly about family, which is something that I can really appreciate as well. My fourth choice was... I couldn't choose Crisis on Infinite Earths because I knew Scott was going to, (laughs) and that he would kick my ass if I did. So I chose the next best thing, the Marvel equivalent of Crisis, which was the Infinity Gauntlet, Yeah. Uh, uh, written by Jim Starlin with artwork at first by George Perez, but then then Ron Lim came in, and it was kind of a seamless transition, too. Uh, they have two different styles, but they're similar enough that you didn't have like this jarring. It's it's not like you know you're having a John Byrne story and then David Mazzucchelli is suddenly drawing, yeah. in. you're like, what the hell happened here? Um, Marvel does not do crossovers the way DC does crossovers. Um, they they have. Uh, I, I'd argue that Civil War and Secret Invasion were very much in the vein of the way DC would do a crossover where you have the big event and it's spilling over into regular titles, but secret wars really didn't spill into regular titles. Secret Wars two did, but in a really bizarre way where it didn't, you know, I, I haven't read it yet. So I don't know if you had to read all the crossovers to get the whole thing, but it seemed like, you know, there was the main story. And then there was all these little side stories of the beyonder going on a walkabout in the Marvel universe. Uh, But, you know, they they had Atlantis attacks, they had the Evolutionary War, um, and all of those kind of happened in the annuals. Well, Infinity Gauntlet was a universe-spanning crossover, which is something, to my knowledge, outside of maybe Contest of Champions, Marvel had never really attempted before. And the build-up of this was in Doctor Strange and Silver Surfer, where they were kind of building up Thanos coming back and then he makes his big move where he assembles in the Thanos quest, he assembles the infinity gauntlet with all the different uh, infinity gems and suddenly he's omnipotent and that's what the superheroes have to face and in, in, in an early issue he snaps his fingers and half the universe dies because the conceit behind this is that death has come to Thanos and said there are more people alive in the universe right now than have, have, have ever been dead. And there's a, imbal- a cosmic imbalance because of that. And because he's got a hard-on for death, he's going to take care of that. And there's two scenes in this story that always stand out. One is comical because Adam Warlock pulls Wolverine and the Hulk to the side to say, basically say, when the time comes, you guys got to punch Thanos' ticket. And <laughs> Wolverine goes, so you want us to sanction Thanos? <laughs> and I've always been like, you sanction a government official.
3: Right. <laughs>
2: sanction, you know, like a rogue CIA agent. You don't sanction a god who's got an omnipotent gauntlet that makes him the <laughs> being ever you just are we gonna we're gonna sanction Thanos and then we're gonna liberate the infinity just, Gauntlet just
3: not it's, the right word yeah
2: <laughs> I mean it's what Wolverine might say but still it's a it, it, just, it just was weird but there is a moment in this story where Captain America basically stands up to Thanos and it's just like you know as long as one good man stands you are going down and it's just like Captain America's awesome <laughs> It's so fucking wicked. I love Captain America. Um, but it's got the universe-spanning quality of a of Crisis, but it's done in a Marvel way. Where at the end, Thanos is not defeated because the first Superman basically has had enough of his shit and puts him down. He's defeated because of his own internal flaws. Uh, it was kind of established here, it might have been established earlier, but it was really brought home here that Thanos wants to be defeated on a subconscious level and will always plant the seeds of his defeat in his plan, subconsciously. Like
3: the serial killers who want to get caught, basically. Exactly.
2: Uh, And at the end, you know, the anti-monitor was killed in crisis. At the end of this, Thanos goes to his own little universe and becomes a farmer. And it's just like, wow, that's kind of an interesting way to end this. And it's got awesome artwork. Just, ah, just great. All the covers are by Perez. There's one cover that has Thanos sitting there in space, go, you know, like crouched, going, come and get me. I'm just like, God, there's nothing bad about this. <laughs> and my fifth and final... Yeah, I'm on my fifth. Um, is a Spider-Man story, Craven's Last Hunt, which shows... Craven, the Hunter at the end of his life, where basically he has this kind of philosophical problem that he can't solve, you know, involving Spider-Man. I don't want to spoil too much because I really want people to, to read this. But Speak,
3: Speaking of that, I'm just curious, Chris, did you ever read that I'm, story? I'm just, I remember when it happened. I have never read it.
0: I, I want to nominate that for, for being the, the thing that we have you do next time for Get Chris to Read a Goddamn Superhero Comic because I'm dying to know what you would think of that story because cause Mike had me all along until he got to this one. I'm just I'm not a big fan of that storyline. Um, I, I couldn't tell you why. I remember it's hearing just,
3: great things about it yeah, when it came out it, in, in, in the years after.
2: it It's an interesting character piece because early on Craven shoots Spider-Man point blank and it turns out it was a uh, like a tranquilizer dart and then he buries him in a grave and Spider-Man's basically left there for two weeks until he uh, claws his way out and there's that beautiful Mike Zek cover of web of Spider-Man of him breaking through uh, the grave but in the meantime Craven has taken Spider-Man's costume and has been doing his job but in a much more violent way and you've got Mary Jane because they just got married wondering what the hell happened to her husband and the ending is just very very sad and makes you really feel bad for Craven as a character but the thing that really makes this the most uh, a, a fantastic story for me is the Mike Zek art yeah I love Mike sex art, and you can't touch, except for Secret Wars, you really can't touch anything he did in the 80s. You know, his Captain America run, you know, the Punisher limited series, which gets an honorable mention as a story I like better than Watchmen. Um, and this, he just, he draws a great Spider-Man. He draws a great Craven. And it's just this moody, atmospheric, it's raining the entire time. And it, it's, just some, it's not something you want to read as just, ah, this is a light and fluffy book, la, 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 la. Look at this great adventure of Spider-Man. It's really Spider-Man and, and, and one of his oldest enemies being taken to the limits and having to overcome it or not overcome it and and deal with the ramifications of, of, of what it means. Uh, I think you're going to love it, Chris, because it's written by J.M. DeMatteis, uh-huh. uh, who wrote... Mainly he's known for writing uh, the Justice League with Keith Giffen, uh, uh, where it was like the the quote-unquote B-listers, because I really don't see those characters as B-listers. Um, that was kind of light and jokey, but DeMatteis does psychological pieces normally, and I think he'd really, really like it. Uh, I and and if we're going to discuss it, I'll reread it again just to kind of refresh myself. On was, all it, the, what,
3: was it one issue, or, or it sounds like it no? Was it was a six issue six story. Issues? It's the
2: first time the the three Spider-Man story series crossed over into each other. Uh, uh, you should be able to find a, a CBR of, of it of the whole or, thing, or, yeah. or a torrent of the whole thing. So, but those are my five.
0: Well, that's all the time we have for this segment. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I'm kidding. I tease, I tease. Uh, Chris, run run your list down. Well, it's
3: ri- uh, uh, when Mike started doing it, it's really funny because we don't really have many rules for this, so it's, so we're sort of making our own rules. So it was very interesting to hear Mike's rules because they're very different that, than mine because I didn't really... Because I thought of the same thing of, like, should I limit it to that time period? But then I was tried. Then I thought, no, you know, I want to limit it more to... Something around the same length of a length, right? And of the same sort of topic, which not revisionist superhero, but sort of a stretching of the envelope of superhero, maybe, or you know, or or an examination of of the superhero, you know, archetypes and all that stuff. So that that was what I was sort of, and I this was a brain buster for me. And uh, what's funny, though, with our different rules, Mike and I both came up with Dark Knight Returns. All, although uh, that was in my yeah in my number four slot. Although I didn't really mark these by in any definite order. I don't really have much of a preference. But the first two I got were the first ones that popped to my head that I could immediately say, all right, this isn't as much... Because just comparing like, a storyline to Watchmen, which, which like, uh, unlike Mike, I did like the ending of it, but, uh, you know, I, I read it late, but it, I thought it was a really good comic, but it wasn't, to me, yeah, this huge end-all-be-all, all like, like it's gotten the reputation for. Maybe because I read it, you know, after, you know, it had already set its precedent and had already become sort of I don't want to say outdated, but not as novel as it was. But, uh, you know, I, I I remember reading it good, and that was really good, and, and the ending definitely has given me, like, stuff to think about ever since. But, um, like, the first two that popped to my, onto my head were the Max Immortal and the Brat Pack, because they're, they're both around the same length. They're both sort of an examination of... Of superheroes and, and superheroes gone bad. Um, another one was uh, one you and I were talking about the other day, Scott, which is uh, V for Vendetta. Which mm-hmm. I, I thought of that one as a good comparison because it was another Alan, you know, another uh, Alan Moore story that I would prefer to that one. And I also thought about, you know, certain chunks of the swamp thing. Run that Alan Moore did, being you know of the same, especially when he first started out, because he sort of revised the whole idea of what Swamp Thing was, and um, and then and then it would get into some envelope pushing by you you know, or else maybe the storyline where they went to hell that would have been another nice runner-up, yeah. and then, uh, like I said before, Dark Knight Returns—that was a hard one. But Dark Knight Returns—I really liked Dark when that came out. I just—I loved the hell out of it because it was, it was new. You know, I mean, you know, it was—that was when Frank Miller was busting out with really interesting stuff all the time. Not that it was all good, you know. There was some hit and miss, but he was always trying to, to do something to do something new, and I and I really liked that. But I've like. I've always thought of that as sort of its own little pocket universe so when you know like when Mike was saying when the tank was showing up it would show up again and stuff I don't think you know that should happen I sort of see Dark Knight Returns happening in its own little Frank Miller fever dream world of unreality and <laughs> my fifth one it's, it's funny and I would gladly swap this one out for Daredevil uh, for, for Mike's um. Uh, what was it, born again storyline? I would. I, that way, as soon as you said that, it was like, of course, that's what that that is what I should have picked. I totally forgot about that. That's it's perfect. But um, basically, like the last, last dozen, you know, ten dozen or so um issues of Frank Miller's run in Daredevil, um, you know, ending around you know 191, somewhere around there. I I would put in that same. Same stratosphere as, as Watchmen, or that that I would prefer to it, where he was he was seriously messing with the Daredevil character, or how the or how the superhero story is told, more than the actual character itself. But uh yeah, that's that's my five list, and I had to I had to really, you know. I had to really work on that one till the last minute cuz this uh, of this episode this is the part of it that I've had the most time to think about you know I've had quite a <laughs> quite a while to to ponder on this this I think it's been almost 2 months <laughs> to sort of think about this one but what about you
0: well the first 3 of mine were were no brainers they came immediately to my mind and then after that I, I kind of had to a, struggle with the other two right there. What's that? Uh, no
3: brainers that came to your mind.
0: <laughs> but the uh, but the the last two I had to really think about, it and I had to go through because the the rule I set for myself was I actually borrowed rules from both of you. The way both of you did it was I tried to do stuff that was in more or less the same timeline as Watchmen, and, and then I also tried to get things that were of a comparable size, and that didn't always work out because. I mean there's not a whole lot of 12 issue maxi series that I really hold in that high right. regard so I had to go more with storylines or you know I still tried to keep it to things where I look at the series as a storyline rather than a series or something like that but my number 5 one you guys can decide if you think it's a bit of a cheat or not, but my number five would be Starman, the series as a whole, because the series is intended to be one storyline. I don't know. I've never but read it, it. But it's also 80 issues. Oh, yeah. So I don't <laughs> well, know if that's a bit of a cheat, but it does yeah, but Yeah,
2: but they're, it's 80 issues, but it's like 10 or so storylines. Right. So when you break it down like that, it does kind of work in a weird right. way so I'll, I'll, I'll give you that
0: but I mean if I had to choose a storyline out of there just off the top of my head I think the, the storyline of the, the Starman of 1951 I, that could possibly be my favorite storyline out of that series because that was just awesome I really really enjoyed that one of the best uh, time travel stories I've ever read I thought that was really really excellent um, my number four <laughs> this one's probably going to raise some eyebrows but I would say Amazing Man I loved oh that my series. God,
3: I forgot all about that.
0: Yeah, I know. It's one of those things you never hear people talk about, but my eyebrows are know, literally
3: raised right now. You did it.
0: There there have been a lot of comedy comic books over the years. Most of them I have thought were flat, stupid. This one made me laugh out loud. It was really funny. It was heartwarming, it was touching, and it was canceled far too soon it was a great great series that uh i looked forward to every single issue and one of the most moving comic book stories i ever read was in an issue of amazing man which was brenda's story and if you've never read it you got to seek it out and read it it was a great great story um number three john burns man of steel come on you can't touch that book it's it's excellent and it's a hell of a lot better than watchmen in my opinion um, Thank you, MC Hammer. <laughs> Number two, V for Vendetta. All right, if you want an Alan Moore story, you know, you want to That wanna, bores you know, the
2: can, shit out of me. <laughs>
0: uh, I'm telling you, dude, V for Vendetta is a great book. If all you've ever read seen it. is the movie, then, you know, I liked the movie. I thought the movie was very good, but the movie took great liberties with the story. Um, Yeah, I thought V for Vendetta was great. The. The only thing for me is I see I I really see it as comparing apples to and and uh well I don't know they're they're pretty similar though now that I think about it because you know Watchmen you
3: it's, know has it's hard certain, to find anything to compare to Alan Moore that isn't Alan Moore
0: right but, you know Watchmen has you know for, for all the goodness that's in there it has elements and and uh. Mike pointed out one of them with the giant space squid thing. Uh-huh. Although I have to admit, that twelfth issue, if it had had the giant space squid playing chess
3: with Darth Vader, that would have been the greatest ending ever. I would have liked that. It's it's closer to reality than it seems. I liked <laughs> I liked know- the squid ending. I I. I personally no, I saw. I personally really like Doug. What Michael Moore? Or, what Michael Moore? What <laughs> Alan Moore was <would> saying? <laughs> oh God! Al- Michael Moore's Watchmen. Oh my God! Somebody put that up on YouTube. That would be a I, funny parody. I'd like to parody. see Alan Moore and his brother Michael get together and, and make some. I wonder what that would, would all be uh, about. Uh, 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 it would be. It would be like a sixty minutes type expose drama about Michael Moore trying to expose you know the Watchmen for who they are. <laughs> but um, well,
0: I, I, was... I felt like my joke fell flat, so maybe I need to explain it. Is uh, there was that Star Wars series in the UK that uh that Alan Moore was actually the writer on. Oh for come a on, while. you don't First, think everybody got that joke? I don't think anybody got that <laughs> joke.
2: You want to be laughed? You know, that just that's funny. All right, I just don't think you're funny. Anymore. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> but you know the the V for Vendetta the series, you know, the actual book has kind of a space squid thing in there with the, uh, the the main guy, I forget what the hell his name was, the controller or whatever his name was, and his, he falls in love with the computer. That part I was very glad they excised from mm-hmm. the movie, because mm-hmm. that was really stupid. That was kind of the space squid moment of that series, but the rest of that I, I loved. That, that was when I,
3: that series jumped the space squid. Yeah,
2: i <laughs> I'm gonna play Scott Gardner for a second uh-huh. and uh, rain on somebody's parade. Um, that? I really didn't like the comic at all. Uh, I much preferred the movie version of *V for Vendetta* than, than the comic. I just found it to be kind of a boring exercise. And again, that's not me trying to piss on anybody that that likes it. I just I'm just not a fan of it at all. That's cool. Uh, and I seem to be one, like one of the few people walking planet Earth that isn't so.
0: Well, hey, that's how I feel about Watchmen. I feel like one of the few people out there that's like, you know, this really isn't the greatest thing that's ever been written, but... Well, you know, um, yeah. (laughs) Um, And then number one, this one, you know, should be fairly obvious to anybody that knows me. It's got to be Crisis on Infinite Earths. I've said it before. I'll say it. it. (laughs) Crisis on Infinite Earths is my Watchmen. And one of these days, I'm going to get the T-shirt made that says that... it just is. So you know, it's really funny that both of you mentioned Dark Knight Returns because that's my next uh, list. Here is uh, next time around, five minis, you know, miniseries or storylines of comparable size that you like better than Dark Knight Returns.
3: Oh, dude, you're so I you're do that. so negative. <laughs> there is too much
2: negativity on the internet.
3: <clears throat> you're always giving us something. <clears throat> To like better than okay, better than Dark Knight. going to be it's, like it, it's, five it's,
2: stories that Scott Garner would really fucking hate? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's too easy.
0: All right, do we want to take a break and come back? Or no, no, I
3: say we just go with it with this with this right. one, and then we'll take a break for. Well, what's the next segment? The Hulk, that's, that's and that'll be a short one, right. so we we okay. could take a break for the Hulk, and then the Hulk will be a short one, and the Walking Dead will probably be. Relatively short, too, so... Okay. We'll just do this one long, and I'll cut all this garbage out, man. That's cool. So, does anybody else have any other, uh... comic goodness, uh... news to report, or... or
2: well, I... I think I, I rambled on enough, uh... because maybe I misunderstood the length of the segment. <laughs> um... for which I apologize, but uh, I went to a one day comic show recently. Ooh, okay. Atlanta, the Atlanta Comic Convention. Uh, Scott and I actually went to the same show literally a year before uh, because they, they, they happen about two or three times a year. And I'm a big fan of one day comic shows, mainly because even unlike Dragon Con, which I feel is a very fan oriented convention, this is really focusing on people buying comics. Uh, there were some celebrities there. There were some local writers and they had some of the extras and the kid that played Carl's son from the walking dead series were there uh, signing pictures and such. Uh, But uh, the, the main thing you go there for is back issues. And I just love the vibe when you walk into the ballroom uh, of just a bunch of people there to buy comics, usually for as cheap as humanly possible. Because if the Atlanta market as a comic uh, as a group of comic buyers, the Atlanta market is the ones that want the fifty cent dollar boxes, because it's what we've been kind of trained to expect. Uh, it took place in the Marriott Atlanta Century Center, which is this nice little hotel. Uh, on the north side of Atlanta, and every time I walk down the ball ro- to go to the ballroom where the show is being held, it's this long corridor. It's got orange carpeting, and I swear to fucking God, every year I expect to see twin girls at the end uh-huh. of it going, "Come play with us, Michael, forever <laughs> and ever." And ever, and then somebody comes out and says that I work for the Overlook Hotel, and I've always looked for the Over worked for the uh, Overlook Hotel, and um, God, that joke fell flat. I belly apologize. Belly up to the
3: bar, say hi to yes. Lloyd. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lloyd. <laughs>
2: Lloyd comes out and hands me a stack of comics. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: Um, I got something for you, here, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not supposed to go near that stuff, Lloyd. Oh, come on.
2: I, um... It's a mint hooked up my hooked up with my friend Garrett who Scott has met uh, on several occasions uh, always liked to uh, one of my friends from the um, from the uh, Titans before it closed and I, had, and I had a specific goal in mind of one book I really wanted to get and then I had a little want list because usually with these shows and I don't know if Scott or, or you have the same problem sometimes you go to these types of shows there's so much there that you kind of get lost, and you just start buying shit randomly, even if you have a want list. You just see a deal. It's like, ooh, look, the entire series of Comet from Impact Comics you're like for a, a dollar. You're
3: like a piranha, and like, in like, a, and all of a sudden, a a flock of birds lands on the water. It's just like, oh, feed, flock of seagulls. A flock of seagulls. Yes, a herd of gazelles starts to cross the <laughs> river. <laughs> I like the I like Mine? the, the Mine? Flock of Seagulls getting Mine? eaten better though. I see the band with like their 80s hair like <laughs> and the water frothing around all red around them. Yeah.
2: Well, well, it can't be a bunch of comic fans like that cuz no comic fan would spend that much time doing their hair uh <laughs> yeah. before going to the show. Exactly. And 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 here's the thing. You guys have been to Dragon Con? You know, about maybe the second day you go to the dealer's room or you're in one of the crush of the crowds and everyone smells like 15 miles of hammered ass. Uh Um, This show took place from 11 o'clock in the morning to 5 o'clock at night. Rachel and I got there at a little after 12. When we were walking down the long corridor with the twins at the end, we got con funk. We smelled body odor. And I'm like this show has only been going on for an hour. Did people just not shower before coming to here? Uh, yes, <laughs> just...
3: that is the answer. It's, a, it's simple, but it's true. Yes. they.
2: I, I mean, I'm not trying to mock my people. Don't get me wrong. They didn't wrong, shower
3: before but... this. They didn't shower before the day before it, and they might not have showered for the day before that.
2: But, you know, I got up that morning. I took a shower. I shaved. I put on some clothes to look halfway decent. And suddenly I felt, when I, when I smelled that, I felt very, very overdressed.
0: You know, I I had a a thought about all that, that, you know, we put out a plea. I I think we've done it several times now, you know, put out a plea to please wash your ass before you go to these cons. And it's just not working because I think the thing is, I think that that the average person doesn't think we're talking to them, I guess. So... I decided that it's time to practice a little tough love, and the next time I'm at one of these things and I'm next to some smelly motherfucker, I'm just going to look him square in the eye and say, dude, you stink, you know? <laughs> and maybe that will P- kind of get the point. You know, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I mean, I do that with my children, and I guess you got to just start treating well, these people like children. You stink. Go wash uh, you your know what? ass. You know what?
3: I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, Right now I'm going to play in the magic of the studio a little public service announcement from Andy Kaufman that he was giving to people of the South, but I think we can just take that and transpose it to the people who go to a convention and, and and they can learn something from this. This week I'd like to
1: start off, first and foremost, the most important thing is personal hygiene. Okay? Now, let's start off. This is a bar of soap. Now, does it look familiar to any of you? I know that you probably don't know what this is. I probably, you haven't ever seen one of these before, but it is called SOAP. Matter of fact, if you're sitting at home now, you can maybe kind of repeat after me and say SOAP. Say SOAP, S-O-A-P, SOAP. Not SOAP, not SOAP. It's SOAP, okay? Say it. Soap. Okay. Now I'm going to open it up, show you what it looks like. This particular bar is blue. It comes in all different kinds of colors, pink, yellow, white, blue, red. This is blue. Okay. Now the way you use it is you go to the sink, turn on the water. If you have a sink, that is, or if you have any kind of lake nearby or anything, just turn, go wet yourself, wet your hands. Oh, and I would like to mention the reason that I want to tell you about soap. When I travel around the South, you know, a lot of fans, a lot of wrestling fans, they recognize me from TV. They always put out their hands. They want to shake my hand. And I'll tell you something. It disgusts me. The hands are so slimy. You people, you, your hands are so greasy and slimy. I mean, I, I, I don't want to shake them. You know, you ask me for an autograph. I'll sign you an autograph. But please, don't put out your hand and shake it until you can wash your hands. Now, this is what you do. Wet your hands, okay? Then wet the soap. Wash the soap, rub it on your hands, and rub it around, and your hands will get clean. Another thing is a shower. You turn on the water, wet your body, let the water wet your body, wet the soap, rub the soap all over your body till your body is clean, okay? Then you rinse, and this is very important now, don't come out of the shower with the soap still on. Very important, you've got to rinse the soap off, okay? You rinse it off, you dry with a towel, and you're clean as a whistle. And then you could shake my hand. Okay, now that's my tip for this week. This is about soap. I will see you next week with another tip. Okay? Bye.
2: Well, here's the thing is, is in the last couple of years, and especially after listening to your Two True Freaks episode of Fandom as a Mental Illness. Oh, that's right. <laughs> um, I've really gotten into the mindset that, you know, I don't like it when shows like Big Bang Theory and stuff kind of make fun of us. Uh, so I'm like, well, I can't make fun of us either. But I but I think there is a difference between an outside force looking at a bunch of comic fans and going, God, you are all a bunch of smelly, dateless, you know, socially inept group of people. And since we're all kind of a family, somebody within the family going, dude, shape the fuck up. People are going to make fun of you.
3: Sometimes you're not doing people favors by not addressing issues. but. What all, the thing about the Big Bang Theory that's offensive to me is it's that processed through, you know, it's it's not a real view on nerds and geeks. It's the, the perception. It's a view on the perception of nerds and geeks combined with that societal sort of nerds are cool thing. That hipster nerd yeah. where the guys who really aren't nerds but they'll get themselves a nice pair of shop glasses and... And wear outdated clothes and stuff to be, you know, sort of, and, you know, even fake high water stuff, which I find that offensive. It's just sort of like, it's like the people are like, I'm going to dress up like a hippie and smoke pot and be a hippie, you know, and I'm going to get some hippie. I better get a tie dye. (laughs) Drives me nuts.
2: Not to derail us too much further, but uh, (laughs) one of the people that have been on your Star Wars Monthly Monday, Josh Bertone, and I got into uh, a discussion with another uh, friend of ours on Facebook and, and Josh asked a very good question. What is the difference between Big Bang Theory making fun of comic fans as shows like Friends or other sitcoms that, or scrubs that make buffoons of like Doctors and such? And my answer to that was Doctors go to night court lawyers you know friends where you have people that are kind of professionals these people have a certain amount of respectability around them so when you show them as buffoons that's kind of like the essence of comedy it's kind of like showing that the emperor has right it's clothes. Take,
3: taking him down a peg but nerds are already at the
2: bottom peg and that's my point is that basically you're making fun of people that are always made fun of and don't have any respectability so that, to me, is the line of demarcation and why the show bothers me so much. And there are people out there. We have friends. Uh, Rachel and I have friends that absolutely love the show. Oh, yeah. Me too. And and, and all that. And, and that's fine. I'm not trying to take away from anybody's enjoyment of something. And I'm not turning this into another debate that Scott and I had on Tales of the JSA because Jesus Christ knows I don't want to go through that shit again. Um, that took up, like, hours of our show. Uh, <laughs> Um, but that, but that's that that that's my problem uh, with the whole thing. But uh, to kind of go back to the con to to my want list and everything, my specific goal was to get Amazing Spider-Man number two fifty two, and I didn't want to pay more than twenty five dollars for it. That's a book you're going to pay money for. You're very rarely ever going to find Amazing Spider-Man number two fifty two in a fifty cent or dollar box. I'm sure it's possible. I just don't think it's ever likely in my lifetime. And I set aside that money and sure enough, really early in the show, I found a dealer that had it for 30 and I talked him down to 25. Uh, So the first appearance of the black suited Spider-Man is now mine. It's all, I scan the cover and everything. It's in my collection. I think it's really awesome. Um, I found Scott, you would have loved this. Loved this. Yes. The, this dealer had just bought a collection, did not really sort through it too much and just threw it out there at a dollar a book. And there was some prime prime fucking comic books, some books from the seventies and eighties that are usually worth like five, 10 bucks in there for a dollar. And that's where I got two more parts of daredevil born again. Uh, whereas I got the first three parts, the previous show that we went to for fifty cents apiece, um, at at that at the that booth where we both cleaned up, um, and I got a couple uh, an issue of Thor, but mainly I, I hit for the I'm trying to fill out the Anasenti run of Daredevil because I keep hearing about it, and I'd actually like to read it. Because I have one friend that says they don't like it, and I have all these other people that say it's the greatest thing ever for Daredevil. So I, I, I'm kind of interested, but I don't want to pay too much, and I've been really lucky with that.
0: And that's something else I'd like to hear Chris's opinion on because I think he might like the writing. But if I remember right, do, aren't those all uh, John Romita Jr. drawing mm-hmm. issues? Yeah. See the art on those. I'm awful. not a big
3: fan of his.
0: Yeah,
2: it's
3: terrible.
0: He
2: draws very much like Miller. When he draws Daredevil, he's channeling Miller. Uh-huh. So um he's
3: trying.
0: He's trying and I I I don't know. I think horror man like so I like his old stuff. I don't like uh, his from that era.
2: But uh I also managed to get Amazing Spider Man two fifty three to two fifty six. And three seventeen and three eighteen and three seventeen and three eighteen were like the return of venom and those books are usually very, very expensive, even Mm -hmm. on eBay, that you're you're not getting away with it for less than ten dollars with shipping. And I got all of those for fifteen bucks. So a bunch of eighties and and late eighties era Spider-Man books for fifteen bucks. So I came away from this like a bandit, but the one that probably would appeal most to both of you was for $5. I got the Marvel Super Specials of Empire and Return of the Jedi.
3: Ooh, nice. <laughs>
2: See? Very nice. I was right.
3: Yes, very nice. $5 yeah, my... each or $5 for both? $5 of them? for both of them. Well, then that's like yeah. cover price basically. Weren't they both like yeah. 250 a piece, I think, or something? Maybe one of them was maybe Empire was like a buck 50 when it came out.
2: Yeah, my buddy Rudy who always has a, a a thing at this show? For this show, for some reason, he decided to put everything he had, which was a bunch of Silver Age Marvel stuff and magazines and Betty Page memorabilia. He put everything for like fifty percent off. So I snapped those two up and went a little over my budget to get them. But I had been wanting them, and even on eBay, you're going to be paying like five bucks a piece for them.
3: Uh-huh.
2: Uh huh. Uh if you can find the right lot. Uh they're in good condition. The, the the cover of the Return of the Jedi one's at the bottom is kind of bent up a little bit, like the whole thing. But I looked through the Empire one and it's beautiful. Yeah. Um when that came, when think-
3: that first came out, it was way way set the bar way high of how neat a com- beautiful a comic looked plus with the Williamson art, it was just like oh.
2: I do find it kind of amusing that in the back of the Empire One is an is a Darth Vader pinup, basically that served as the back cover to the Return of the Jedi One. And I leafed through the Return of the Jedi book. It had been the first time since I was a little kid that I saw it. I really don't care for the artwork
3: <laughs> at all. I, it, the, I remember the coloring is very uh, distracting in it. I didn't like the way it, it, was, it was hurried it had a very hurried feel well like i said that's the that super special is one of the craziest you know experiences i had when i was a kid cuz i got that one from i i spotted it on the floor in a bundle before the movie came out and a fair fairly decent you know amount of time relatively before the movie came out the the bookstore in watertown had gotten that and i'd finagled the guy into selling me a copy and then spoiled everything for Scott for Jedi. <laughs> but um yeah, the uh, the the art wasn't the color sort of almost like watercolor uh-huh. um sort of so it, it yeah, and it, it just sort of muddied up uh you know, I don't think that goes well with with Al Williamson's art. Style. That one's
0: worth having for the cover. It's the cover. Yes. The it's same beautiful. Thing with, with if you ever get the um Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now, you're talking the super specials, right? Yes. Yeah. The yeah. big you magazine. You ever see Raiders of the Lost Ark? has a gorgeous yeah. cover that ought to be a poster, but the interior yeah, kind of sucks. And Return of the Jedi is kind of the same way. I wouldn't say the interior sucks, but it's not very strong. But that cover, it's uh, I think it's synkevic, if I'm not mistaken. And that's, oh, my God, it's gorgeous.
2: But, um... It's- now I'm all set for when you guys do Return of the Jedi, and I get to come play <laughs> in the uh, Star Wars Monthly Monday uh, sandbox. I got I got the book, and I can read it and reread it and remember vividly going to the Weiss Market, in Mountaintop, Pennsylvania, and seeing the four bagged ver- the the four pack bagged on the uh, magazine rack, and having my mom buy it for me. You gave me the
3: this this gives me the perfect opportunity to tease coming up in a couple weeks on our next. Star Wars Monthly Monday, which we're getting close to to Return of the Jedi. And uh, I just watched Returning the Jedi, the, the Return of the Jedi movie that that guy, Jamie, who did the Star Wars movie, Star Wars Begins, recently. I just did an interview with him, which will be in our next Star Wars Monthly Monday. So he's a... He's a uh, he's, uh, hot property. He's done a whole bunch of interviews since then, but we were the first people to contact him for an interview. That's us, two Sweet. true freaks. Cutting um, edge. But, but that's, that's coming up.
2: <laughs> but that's my thing. I, uh, I, had, I had fun. It, it was a great day. It was a great experience. And Garrett loaded me up with a bunch of stuff that he's just kind of getting rid of in his house. Uh just kind of a purging, so I have all these trading cards to go through and send some to you guys and uh I got a poster for Scott uh that I have to roll up and mail off that he's that I told him about that I think he's going to love Sweet. And, um yeah that's that's pretty much all I got since I've been yakking so long. <laughs> well, I
3: had an assignment from you two, which you know i've got I've got my what was my next assignment there? I should write that down. I'm reading the um, the Craven's Last Hunt. Craven's Last Hunt.
2: Yes. And, I uh, think
0: we need to have a big overblown introduction for this segment, similar to how we do it for Walking Dead and we we're doing it for Swamp Thing and all that. I think we need to have a big booming voice that comes out and says... Get Chris to read a goddamn superhero
3: comic. Okay. Well, well. And make it all Echoey comic, 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 comic. comic, comic. Well, now that we're talking about it, <laughs> we'll hear it in about 2 seconds because I will craft that while I'm making this episode and then we'll hear it right now. Get Chris to read a goddamn superhero comic, comic. Oh, that was beautiful! <laughs> God I damn, I'm good. <laughs> oh man, you always have wood. You wow, I, I I really Wally knocked wood. that one out of the park. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna name my wood Wally. <laughs>
0: you
2: wood
3: in memory. So, um, so since uh, it's, it's it's it's. All right, I'm just gonna let. Let it all pass, and then start out um let's I am going to since you know I'm getting an assignment, and this is sort of like do it it reminded me of doing a book report. I am going to present these <laughs> oh no in the style, maybe I might change the style depending on the comic, but for now. I am going to present these in the style of like a fifth grade oral report <laughs> that I would give in fifth grade on love it. on the comic that I got. <laughs> so it, this may not be like the average synopsis sort of comic, you know. We'll we'll go over it like normal people, but I'm gonna. <clears throat> I'm we going are to, not
2: normal people. And, lo- and luckily, <laughs> farthest
3: and, from normal people, I. And I like this because it's not going to be. There won't be any awkward moments where I don't want to walk up to the blackboard to give my oral report because this is, you know, just this is. Because you got Wally. (laughs) Because Wally's. I don't want to.
2: (laughs) Wally. It's
3: time for Wally's oral report. That sounds like a porno movie. (laughs) Wally Woods oral report.
2: And we are off the the rails already.
3: comic book porn movie. Okay. So. (coughs) The comic I was assigned to read this month is The Incredible Hulk number 293. It has a good cover of the Hulk smashing Ben Grimm the thing and tying Mr. Fantastic's neck in a knot. Cool. I like the Hulk. When I stayed at Scott's house, I played his Hulk Xbox 360 game where I got to be the Hulk, and I could throw and smash army men. Anyway, Dr. Banner and his girlfriend are getting off a plane from Mexico at the airport when a crazy man pulls out a gun to shoot him. So he turns into the Hulk and smashes the gun. I was surprised because the Hulk is not Hulk Smash Hulk, but Smart Bruce Banner Hulk. It is funny because Smart Hulk's hair looks like the hair on the bad guy in No Country for Old Men. Bruce and his girlfriend Catherine go to stay at the Baxter building and the thing lets them in and then just goes away. No one is home and Bruce is going to use their computer to look at a power surge in space. But when they do, they piss off the power surge and it blows up the machine. So Bruce has to Hulk out again to save his girlfriend. Then they eat dinner, then they make out and go to bed. Then Bruce has a a nightmare of the Hulk killing the Fantastic Four real good. The next morning, he goes to to the jail to see why the man wanted to kill him. The man was mad because the Hulk smashed his whole town, so he lost his job and became a drunk like Pete Hesh, and his wife took the kids and left. (laughs) (laughs) Bruce feels bad, so he gets daredevil to be the man's lawyer, and of course, the man is not guilty. (laughs) Then the Hulk surprises the man because he rebuilt the man's town and house. He did not build, rebuild the man a new wife and kids, though. But the man is happy anyway. <laughs> I like this comic. The art was good and the story was good. It was heartwarming and nice, but the Hulk still gets to smash. I do like the dumb Hulk better because he smashes stuff in real life, not just bad dreams. You should read this comic. That's my report <laughs> on the Hulk number 293.
2: Yay! Yay!
3: Do I get a smiley face?
2: You get a no, star. You get a, you get a smiley face and a star. Ooh, excellent!
3: You, you get I'm both. I'm going to be the hero of the schoolyard at recess today. <laughs>
0: Something like that. You're still going to get your milk money taken away, though. (laughs)
3: Exactly. (laughs) Not bad for a 42 year old, man, huh? (laughs) The other
0: kids were reading, like, Treasure Island and uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the Once and Future King. You were reading my report on war and peace. peace. Yeah, exactly.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm really glad you liked that. I, 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 I well, um,. I, like I was saying before the show uh, that, that, um, basically I got this assignment you know almost around you know within the last 48 hours and <laughs> it's awesome it it totally took me back to 1983 1984 mindset and I'm very surprised that this comic didn't end up in my collection you know because I was buying you know Marvel comics around. this one would have been on the newsstand and it's just a classic of that time period you know it has and and like you said this was one that you bought and like basically read over and over and wore uh-huh. out and i would have done <laughs> the exact same thing uh, you know the combination of artwork and storyline and you know the story is a little a little bit corny you know but it, for for the most part that's sort of how i like this is sort of the classic. Maybe it's because this is when I was, you know, getting into reading comics. But this is sort of the classic story I for my like for a comic, you know, not set, you know, not like okay, rated R, you know, this is definitely rated PG, but it's not kitty, completely kitty, but it's accessible for the kitties. and yeah, it's it's got it's it's uh, a good. Um, one-and-done story, but at the same time it's, you know, working in a larger storyline, because I don't know what's going on with that, you know, power surge in space thing. And I think it's really hilarious that, you know, it's like, the power surge is aware of us, boom, it blew up the thing, and it's like, alright, let's go have dinner now.
2: (laughs) If I'm correct, uh, that power surge might have been the precursor to the Beyonder and Secret Wars. Mm Mm-hmm. Because a couple was months it? before S- Secret Wars, Professor X was having these mind scans that were debilitating him uh, hit him, and uh, Spider Man's Spider Sense was going piss wonky uh, as well, leading up to all of them finding the thing in Central Park, going in and going to Battle World. So, the, the larger story, though, um, is from space and suddenly Bruce Banner has control of the Hulk and they go on this whole hero's journey type thing where the Hulk uh, becomes a hero to the masses and the president pardons him for all of his past misdeeds and Alicia Masters the the beer bong of the Marvel Universe because she gets passed around so much um, makes uh, like sculpts an adamantium statue of the hulk that's put in central park and everyone likes the hulk and slowly over the course of issues like 289 to 300 that all unravels and he starts going savage again and if you look on the cover of this book they like have the hulk on the a little hulk on the cover right under where the issue number is where he's got a lab coat on and he's dropping some beaker's uh-huh. what they did is at the start of the fall when when he started to go savage again he was just hulk in a suit and lab coat and over the course of the issues that figure would subtly change over into Savage Green Hulk again. Like, the beakers would drop and the clothes would start to rip, and finally, he's shirtless, purple-panted, I'm gonna beat some ass, Hulk. That was a really good storyline. I love it. It's one of my favorite runs of the Hulk ever.
3: Well, you know, you're getting the hints that you got his dream in here, and you've got the cover to just, you know, hint at, you know, the the Savage Hulk, you know, the dream's classic. It reminds me of uh, Forbidden Planet, when When, um, you know, the doctor's creature from the id is pounding at the door to get in, you know, and, yeah, Banner's Hulk is just, yeah, pounding to get out. I love it. I love how on the cover he's punching the thing and, like, chips are flying off the thing. Uh It's just crazy. And then you see, you know... I, I just saw the cover it's like okay the Hulk fighting and then it's like damn he's really pounding and then you see mr fantastic's neck is tied in a knot <laughs> it's just <laughs> awesome that's my Hulk that's my Hulk and uh and this was a this was a great uh CBR that that because it has all the awesome awesome ads this one's has especially great and classic you know, bubble yum ads Um, an ad I'd forgotten totally about because you didn't really see it that much but was for the Zorkom spaceship oh my god I forgot all about that, remember that was sort of like a cardboard cone Oh, God, yes. And I don't know what was it. it. There probably wasn't anything inside of it because they don't show anything or say anything about what the inside of it is. So it's probably just a cardboard box that you can climb in. And it's like, you can set it up, you know, in takeoff mode and all the, you know, and it came with a tape, which I I would love to hear what the adventure cassette tape of that, the sound effects <laughs> that you were supposed to listen yes. to. Yes. It's probably so terrible. It's probably so cheap. And ter- it would have been something. Oh, no, you're flying through space. Yeah. <sighs> it's one of it's those. It's
0: probably like that, that flimsy birthday record I used to have when I was a kid. Hey, Scott, it's, <laughs> it's your
3: birthday. Your- <laughs> hey. And I'm happy
0: to say. Happy
3: birthday, <laughs> Scott. <laughs> it's <laughs> yes. your special day.
2: Scott, Scott. now, (laughs) Scott, please take off your shirt. Really, your parents won't mind, I promise. I just want to take some pictures of you, Scott.
0: You had to bring all that back. After all those years of therapy,
3: you had to bring that all back.
2: It's it's my it's my lot in life. It's what Chris brings out of me.
3: <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. I saw that picture you put up on Facebook of you like in the corner and your your hands clasped across your chest. That's one of the most <laughs> Oh my, my
2: current my current I need an adult I need an adult profile yes. picture yes. from Facebook. It's actually taken at the Tennessee aquarium. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um there's a beautiful, right in the center, a double-page ad for uh, um, um, Atari video games for your for your home computer. So it has a picture of all the home computers you could possibly be playing it on. And they're these big, boxy <laughs> things. Which but, one's the best-looking one? You would think it would be the Apple II. Because Apple's always been... So, the IBM PC looks like it means business, but the (laughs) VIC-20 is the coolest, like, (laughs) smallest, sleekest looking of the computers. But it was a pretty crappy computer.
2: With their giant six-inch
3: screens. Ooh, yeah. (laughs) It's like, three megabytes! (laughs) And, you know, well,
2: there was a point where people thought that was all you would ever need for computers. Right. Yeah, how could uh, so... they're
3: megabytes? Think about that—how much information that is! And like, yeah, we chew up megabytes like they were, you know, grains of <laughs> sand. I was about sand, to say you know.
2: all my wallpapers. Yeah,
3: exactly.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, I shit megabytes for breakfast. I was fish. gonna say,
3: yeah, we have <laughs> wallpapers that would totally burn out. You know, some of those old computers. And uh, another awesome thing about this comic. That I just the the only other thing I really want to mention outside of the comic-y stuff is there's a great little teaser for the Micronauts coming in it that has I can't what is it Bug was the green one with the yeah it must be Bug because yeah. he's got the antennae and he's on a bat flying across the moon and it's just like the Micronauts are coming by Mantelo and Golden and just this beautiful golden very simple sort of dashed off but well composed. Bug riding a bat across the moon picture. It's really cool, huh. and that's I'd at the bottom of they the letter would have been page. Out by that point.
2: It was probably the direct sales series.
3: Oh, okay. The special edition on sale in comic specialty shops. Yeah, that it says. was it. Okay, yeah, it was the collection. Yeah,
2: but uh, the, they also have a Masters of the Universe ad on the back cover which I remember vividly from when I was a kid. Uh Uh-huh. The 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 Atari game, game, which looked like ass. (laughs) (laughs) Even then, there were certain Atari games, even though it was all new and awesome. I'm not comparing it to, you know, storylines from today. I mean, uh, video games from today. I'm just comparing it to other video games from that era, and it looked like crap. (laughs) So
3: Yep, that, you know, there's just never been a good, um, it's just never worked out with, like, adaptations of toys and TV shows and movies to video games. Video games seem to work best when they come up with their own stuff, you know, sort of tie it, tie-ins, it tie just, although Masters of the University would have thought it would have been a shoe in because it was made, it was, Created to be marketed in multiple ways, you know. So a video game would have been a shoo-in. But imagine the Masters of the Universe game you could make today. It w- would be a lot of fun.
2: I wish they would.
3: I'm surprised I'd like to see it. Somebody hasn't. You know, there would definitely. There's definitely a a a large amount of people who love Masters of the Universe. Oh yeah, they're still uh they're still out there. You could make uh, a Shira game and people would uh would go nuts. <laughs> but um yeah, this is a great great comic to kick it off, yeah. But um I also wanna remind you guys and, and also say, you know, I'm I'm not opposed to some readers throwing out some ideas for making me read a goddamn superhero comic. But you don't it it doesn't have to be make make chris read a a great superhero comic too you guys can well it sounds like scott the the craven the hunter is a good one because yeah scott will get to hear scott who's not a big fan of it'll get to hear if what i see you know or what what i feel about it because you never know what i'm gonna think i might just like it just to piss you off who knows yeah you like lots of weird weird strange that's for sure Stuff. I never know what I'm gonna like, so there you go. <laughs> I surprise myself constantly. I scare the hell out of myself constantly. Yeah, that's and small children and small children at the same time sometimes. All right, well, okay. <laughs> so Scott, you got anything before we uh we uh jettison I, I here? do,
0: but we we need to take a break. Or actually, I need to take a break. Oh, I see
3: how it's going. Yeah, I've been (laughs) drinking my energy drink too, so I could take a break too. All right, so we'll be back in a few minutes, and we'll hear we'll hear some blah 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 from Scott Gardner. All right, we're back from our refreshing break, and I know I'm feeling refreshed and about eh, maybe eight to twelve ounces lighter. And uh, yeah, me too. I'm, I
0: want to go swimming and horseback riding and play some tennis now.
3: Excellent. <laughs> well, I'm I'm gonna I, since you're feeling especially uh, ready for action, I'll pass it off to you because I guess you've got some uh some. I don't know what you got. You got something to talk about. I got stuff.
0: I got all (laughs) kinds of stuff. Unfortunately, I've been really busy lately. I have not had a chance to really read comics, so I don't have like comic books to talk about, but I got some comic-y goodness to to discuss here. First and foremost, though, I have to remember to uh, plug this. If you are anywhere in Florida or thereabouts right around uh, March 25th through 27th, Get your ass to the Orange County Convention Center in Orlando, Florida for Megacon 2011. They uh, they've got all kinds of awesomeness going to be going on there. We've got uh, William Shatner. Oh. Captain Kirk himself is going to be there. My best buddy, Bruce Boxleitner, is going to be there. Awesome. Uh, Robin Curtis, Michael Dorn, Lou Ferrigno. Jonathan Frakes, Gil Gerard, Aaron Gray. Who else we got here? We got all kinds of people. We got people that I don't even know going to be at this thing. Um, oh yeah, Wait, did some... you say Gil-,
3: Gil Gerard? Did you Gil say Gerard? Gil Gerard?
0: Gil Gerard and his wife are going to be there. Yes, absolutely. There's
3: two two pals for yep, you right two there. two pals of mine right there. And Maybe uh... you could take the two of them and go over to talk to Box Lightner just to be a prick. <laughs> <laughs> just a suggestion. And some old guy,
0: uh, Lee something, Stan Lee, I guess Uh. had something to do with comic books or something. Whatever. Um, But yeah, check it out. It's going to be awesome. I am going to attend. I have not decided yet what day I'm going, but I am definitely going to attend. Now, I'm looking at their website at the moment and at their guests and comic book guests. Now, George Perez told me. Oh, hey, here it is. I must have been looking at the wrong. Okay, here we are. Comic book guests. Here we are. Ooh, we got tons of people Stan Lee, Mark Bagley, J. Scott Campbell, Amanda Connor, Frank Cho, Michael Golden, Darwin nice. Cook, Jeff Johns, Ron Mars. Uh, man, a whole bunch of people going to be at this. Mike McCone, Terry Moore, Denny O'Neill, Jimmy Palmiotti. I'm not seeing. Here he is, George Perez. Yes, looking forward to that. He's he's actually the main reason I'm going. I want to go see uh, talk to George again. Roy Thomas, man. Oh,
2: you bastard!
0: Yeah, there's a bunch of people going to be there. Arn Star or Ar- is Arne or Arnie Star? I'm not sure. Renee Witterstater, Mark Wade, man. There's a bunch of people going to be at this thing. So yeah, I'm excited. So that's uh, MegaCon end of March so check it out um what else do i got hey as i was uh sitting down at the computer this morning to check email and such i saw this yahoo story i happened to click on i just got a kick out of it i don't know if you guys saw this that uh (laughs) the mayor of detroit said thanks but no thanks so fanboys just went ahead and said screw you we're gonna do it anyway they're putting up a RoboCop statue
3: in Detroit. Excellent!
0: I was like, "Yes, this is awesome."
3: How could they say no? Thanks to that, because Come
0: on. they're assholes. Because they're straight, obviously and they
3: don't get it.
0: And they're you know he said something, and this isn't a direct quote, but you know it Who was doesn't get RoboCop. Come it was on. something to the effect of, "Well, this doesn't add anything to the city of Detroit," and it's like except oh, oh, really? fucking this ultimate awesomeness. Detroit, you know, I've never been to Detroit, oh. so forgive me if we have Detroit listeners that take offense to this, but everything I've ever heard says that your city pretty much sucks. So I- I'll you know, say this, this for becomes, Detroit. If this becomes the Rocky statue of Detroit, then go with it, okay? you Because know? I would actually go to Detroit to get my picture taken with a RoboCop statue. I'll know?
3: tell you this, the RoboCop statue would kick the shit out of the Rocky statue and <laughs> kick it right down those stairs and then put a hole well, in its head.
2: To be fair, I've seen the Rocky statue, so it, it, it's, it's a little different when you actually see it in uh-huh. me, but when uh, when I was in the ninth grade, we went to the Franklin Institute in Philly for a field trip, and we drove by the, the statue because they were filming Rocky 5 at the time. Mm-hmm. So, But um, we're talking about a city that is considering... Basically, if I'm if I'm remembering the news article I heard, basically considering shutting off or consolidating civil services because they can't afford things like garbage pickup and cops. Whoops! Awesome. There, there, there was something about the privac- privatization of Detroit, and I was just laughing.
3: I'm Not a as- fan of the Detroit rock and roll sound, personally. That's my that's what I like about Detroit
2: not as amusing as the uh the copier we had when i worked at home depot that was from omni Cons- uh, business products and i was wondering if they had a subsidiary that was omni consumer products and i was really hoping for that actually and i and I, and i wanted i wanted to go work for ocp so i could get shot up by the ed 209
3: <laughs> nice yes
2: and i'm talking i'm talking the unrated version too not the pussy version from the original no i want to see all the blood and the fire i
3: want to see the dancing corpse yeah
2: can somebody get a goddamn doctor
3: (laughs) it's it's very funny i found myself in the very theater just a couple days ago at the college i went to we went there to see dmc of run dmc but I was sitting in the theater that he was speaking in, and I realized to myself, oh, my God, this is the first place that I saw RoboCop. This is the theater where I first saw RoboCop projected.
0: Hmm. I want to see RoboCop with my dad. We need to do a— he will, oh, wait, Your dad no, would a, like that one. We did a RoboCop. I was going to say, we need to do a RoboCop episode. We did a RoboCop <laughs> episode. Anyway, let's see what else we got here. Oh, here's something that I know that we all wanted to uh, to talk about. There have been some awesome, awesome trailers. You know, this is the awesome yes. thing about living in 2011 now is that they put the word out ahead of time that there were going to be trailers for both Captain America and Thor during the stupid bowl. But I didn't have have to actually subject myself to the fucking thing. Yes. Because in the world we live in today, they're on YouTube like 30 seconds after they air that's sometimes
3: awesome. some of them are the Darth Vader one was on a couple days before. Yeah. And uh, and uh, yeah, you don't even have to videotape it and fast forward yes. to all the, the stupid sports game to yep. get to it. It's awesome. And the stupid so. sports players and doing that, whatever they do. So not only are there those, but then there was
0: a new one, or at least to me, it was new. I hadn't seen it before this morning, but there was a new Thor trailer this morning. It was attached to some Yahoo story saying something about. You know, Oscar winners flocking to superhero movies or some shit like that. So I clicked on it just out of curiosity to see who they were talking about. And then I don't even think I ended up reading the article really, but there was a new, uh, and again, new to me, trailer for Thor that uh, played up a it's lot of new. The, the romance. That's, that's
2: the new trailer. Ah,
0: it's, oh, man. Now I'm going to talk about them in reverse order. I love this Thor trailer, especially the new one. But I've been excited about it ever since it showed uh, the big robot. That's the Destroyer, right? Isn't that his name? Yes. Yeah. That, oh, man, that really pushes my my geek buttons right there. I'm, I, I'm, oh, yeah. Yeah. I am very excited for this movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it looks good. I think it looks really, really good. I think it looks like it's going to be more or less faithful to the essence of Thor and everything he's about. Yeah. Um, the only thing I was ever nervous about with this movie, honestly, was who was directing it. Because I'm not a big fan of uh, Kenneth Branagh. He did that god awful Frankenstein movie a few years back.
3: That just oh my god!
0: Have
2: that. you but seen the anything about, else he's done?
3: You can't, you can't. The the thing about Kenneth Branagh is you can't fault him because he puts passion. Even that Frankenstein, say what you will about it, he was into it. You know, mm-hmm. he really put his thought and his. Right. whether you agreed with his take on it Brena really <coughs> he's a valid director you know he's a real director right directing this so there's going to be some meat to this you know he, yeah. he, and, but he's also he's also he reminds me of um and it's funny this guy's name just was getting kicked around the other day in conversation is uh Ken Ken Russell yeah uh, he's he's very much like that, where he'll go over the top, and you know, we'll go cartoony, you know, in his regular movies that aren't even about cartoony stuff. So he could, you know, he 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 won't has a, he won't be like I have to make Thor's battles look realistic. You know, he might be like, you know, he he he'll, he'll go from comic books to Shakespeare. You know, so I'm I'm excited about that. Being the case with this movie. Well,
2: I've I've loved Kenneth Branagh since Dead Again, when I first saw that film, which is an excellent movie. And uh, he's I haven't seen all of his Shakespeare films, uh, but I did see Much Ado About Nothing, which I enjoyed quite a bit. And I, I also like really him. Good. I like him as an actor too. Mm-hmm. He was in a, an HBO movie that was basically they were. They took the minutes from the movie, from the meeting that the Nazis had to basically form the final solution. And they acted that out, and then they would dramatize what would happen when the meeting would take breaks. And he was excellent in that. He makes a very good Nazi, oddly enough. Uh, it
3: was funny. Have you ever seen him in that seen that Woody Allen movie that he was in where he basically played Woody Allen? No. He 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 came, well, he came, he was like Kenneth Branagh playing Woody Allen, he came off like Jerry Springer. But it was just like, yeah, he he he's pretty flexible. He's
2: But yeah. um but I like the the look of the guy playing Thor. Uh he seems very charismatic and arrogant, which is perfect for Thor. Um <laughs> and everything about that film even the presence of Natalie Portman cannot dissuade me from wanting to see this film
3: hey what's wrong with Natalie Portman
2: uh there it's called episodes 1 through 3
3: <laughs> have you guys watched the black swan yet you get to see her um doodler canoodle and <laughs> she has a penis Whoa. is that what you're suggesting <laughs> no she, no not at all not at all but which movie little... is this the Black Swan. The Black, Black Swan. Swan. It's okay. brand new. It's it's. You can find it out. In, it's in the movie theaters too. It's a ballet yeah. movie, Scott. But it has her. Um, Naked. She's letting yeah, her it. fingers do the walking, huh? Yes. Do. Yeah. yeah. I know. They're right. you know playing play the slots. There's no, yeah. You notice there's eight million terms for male masturbation, but not really that <laughs> any for good ones for female masturbation. Poor women get the short end of the stick. <laughs> what if they're your date, oh, it's, it's, it's,
2: it's, it's like racial slurs. Touche, comes... sir. Touche. It's like racial slurs when it just comes up to straight up white people, not like yeah. not like the different ethnicities, like Italians or Irish or, But it's just like you know, cracker or oafy.
3: Yeah,
2: and you're done. Oh, no, honky. Sorry. Yeah.
3: <laughs> All right. What were we
2: talking? About? Trailers.
3: <laughs> yeah i the only the only thing that i did that i'm not that big into thor and i saw the trailer and was like "Ooh, this looks really good i i i have a little bit of a problem with thor thor's look i think he looks a little bit like a uh, um um pop country singer these days
2: <laughs> like a really in shape um what's his name toby keith
3: yeah they all they all have that sort of look like they've been to the gym and they have they got those shavers that they made in the 80s for don the don johnson look so you could keep the three day except they set it at like five day but they still have those beards that are like weirdly oddly perfectly trimmed like they like put some sort of laser mask on that cut every hair the same length it's weird you know yeah he sort of looks like a country singer and I just never pictured Thor as a country singer. Although, I've heard there's a there was a Thor who was a heavy metal singer, but that's another story altogether. But uh, yeah, it 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 looks good. I think it looks really really good.
0: Now, the other one though, what do you guys think about uh, Captain America?
3: I uh, Captain America again is something. Yeah, I'm not that. Into I'm not like I don't not like Captain America, but when I saw the trailer, it intrigued me. It had a it had a World War Two look to it.
2: It, it sort um, of oh I'm sorry go ahead.
3: It sort of looked like um Saving Private Ryan a little bit. A couple of the shots of him like running through the battlefield, but it that looked interest that looked interesting to me too. Actually, I think I'm down for going to see both of these movies where I didn't think I was.
2: I um it was a teaser trailer. So there wasn't a whole lot to really go off of, but I like the costume. I like how they got around with the wing, the wings on the side of the head. I thought that was a neat little design on the helmet. Um, I like Chris Evans in general. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to do with the character, but the red skull looks fucking awesome. And that's Hugo weaving as the red skull. So I'm really looking forward to it. Right. Um, uh, and just just everything about it screams to me that they are getting the essence of who the character is, at least in the origin sequence. Because they, they uh, through, I guess, computer generation, they made Chris Pine look like... Oh, not Chris Pine. <laughs> <Whoop>. <laughs> um, they made Chris, what's his name, look skinny. Evans? Is it Evans? Evans? Is that his name? Yes.
3: Skinny. Oh, yeah, he does. He's got the total, like, 90-pound weakling. Look. And
2: I guess in this version, he goes through basic training and washes out, and that's where they pick him up because they show him as a skinny guy in basic training. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm really looking forward to both. Actually, there's three Marvel films this year, and I'm wanting to see all three of them.
0: What's the other one?
2: X-Men First Class.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Uh, that's right. I forgot about that one. That one looks interesting. I don't know that I'm going to rush right out to theaters to see that, but I definitely want to see it when it comes along. Oh,
2: that trailer had me. It grabbed me, and it wouldn't let go. When it started off, that it, it kind of messes with the timeline of the X-Men films a little bit because it makes um, Xavier and Magneto really old, as well right. as the Beast. But when they set it against the backdrop of the Cuban Missile Crisis, yeah, I was just like, yeah, I want to see this. I want to see this really bad.
3: Oh, I didn't know that. That sounds interesting.
2: Yeah, the first shot of the trailer is them watching Kennedy's uh, address where he announces the blockade. And the money shot at the end of the trailer, whereas uh, when they had the Wolverine origin movie, at the end of that trailer they showed him going for the helicopter and swinging around it. Mm -hmm. In this one, they show Magneto taking a sub out of the water.
3: Ooh, that's cool.
2: Um, the only problem I have with the trailer is they showed the Beast, and he's the cat-like Beast from Morrison's run. Yeah. Which I thought was complete crap. Um, so, yeah, but other than that, everything about the X-Men First Class looks freaking awesome.
0: You know, this is the... this is. It's going to seem so odd coming from me saying this, but I think the thing that, that, that may keep me from actually going to see this in theaters and, and waiting for this to be a video release is, of all things, and again, God, I can't believe I'm going to say this, Wolverine. Wolverine's not going to be oh. in it. And Wolverine is what won me over to the X-Men with the X-Men films. I like Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. See,
3: if, if, if you if you actually like the X Men outside of Wolverine. Before that, you'd be like, "Why does Wolverine gotta be the focus of right. every goddamn X Men right. well, movie?" See, I, no. I
0: find the pre Wolverine X Men, you know, when it was just Cyclops in them, I, I find them kind of boring. I mean, I liked the X Factor series in the in the early issues of that, and especially when Walt Simon was doing it. So if it has like, kind of like an X Factor ish, i none stand, of me. Uh,
2: Cyclops that? and all them aren't going to even be in it, though. That's the thing.
0: Oh, is it not going to be Cyclops and Jean Grey? and No, you know, this
2: is a young Magneto and a young Xavier basically forming the school and building Cerebro.
0: See, I thought that they were going with, you know, the, the original X-Men, like from X-Men number one type no, of thing.
2: No, this is before that. Oh, Cause okay. this is the movie timeline.
0: So who are, th- who are the X-Men in this?
2: Uh, Beast, Magneto, Charles Xavier, and a few other people that are either obscure or created specifically for the film. But Sebastian Shaw is in it, played by Kevin Bacon. And (laughs) uh, Emma Frost is going to be in it as well.
0: Yeah, I did see that. So. Huh. I don't know. Maybe if I i see a little more or learn a little more about it then i don't know. maybe maybe it could sway me maybe i could end up going to see it i don't know that that one's going to be an iffy one for me and uh go, going back to the cap trailer for just a minute i gotta i gotta be honest that there's a lot of elements working for the cap movie that i like you know i like the director i, I love the star i mean chris evans was great as uh the human torch I don't think I've really seen much of him other than that role, but I thought he was really good. He was, you know, charismatic and funny and all who's, that. Who's the director? Uh, Joe Johnston, who did uh, the Rocketeer, Rocketeer. Oh. worked on Empire Strikes Back, and all that. Oh, uh, that I have adds yet to hear who's scoring the movie. That's going to have a lot to do with it too, because I'm hoping it's James Horner, but I, I have not heard yet who's scoring that. But. I gotta, I gotta admit, Captain America. That's still a big iffy one for me because, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff that's kind of working against it. The big one is, you know, this this whole reveal. And if it turns out to be true that he's not battling Nazis in that, then I, you know, it's gonna be one of those big like what the fuck moments because it's like, come on, you know, he was created to fight Nazis. It's this is supposed to be World War Two, you know. I- I don't agree with it either. Who are you going to fight?
2: It's it's probably going to be Hydra, like the the current Avengers. And there's a very specific reason for it. I don't agree with it because, from what I understand, the movie would not play in the German market if there was Nazis involved, either because they wouldn't want it. But I also heard that there might be
3: laws against it. There's
2: something about, against showing swastikas and stuff like yes. that in public, so you couldn't show the film in Germany. And that's, you know, they want a worldwide release for this. So I agree with you, Scott, though. If it's not Nazis, that's kind of bullshit. But I, at least yeah. I kind of half ass understand the reasoning behind it. I don't accept it, I don't like it. But, you know,. At least it'll at least it looks interesting and it
0: it, looks it does, and here's the thing, and i I want to go ahead and I want to cut off right away any any letters or anything, any feedback we might get saying, "Oh, here's Scott nitpicking again. I don't see the thing about cat battling Nazis in World War two being a nitpick. I see this being a very fundamental thing about the movie. We're not talking you know, cap's wings or the costume being exact and all that sort of thing. That's all, you know, I can live with all that. That stuff gets changed for movies. That's fine. I, I'm not, I don't think that this is a nitpick. If he's not battling Nazis, I, I, I just, I have a real problem with that. I, I think that sh- fundamentally changes who the character is and exactly what he was created for. I mean, you can throw a pseudo Nazi group in there and you can make the, the Hydra very Nazi like and all that, but still... I want to see Cap battling Nazis. I want to see Cap chomping at the Seeing, bit to go yeah. smash Hitler in the face. You know, I want Seeing to see Nazis
3: get killed and 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 get their ass kicked. Never gets old. Yeah, it it, it does. really yeah, no, doesn't get old. Completely.
0: I mean, I really want to, there to be a scene of you know soon after he's created and and sent out on his mission of whatever. I want to see scenes with Chris Evans, you know, pounding his his fist into his hand going, I can't wait to get over there and and smash Hitler's teeth down his throat. You know, scenes like that, because that's what Cap was all about. You know, he was a a Nazi ass kicking machine. And, you know, I just, I'm sure I'll enjoy the movie regardless, but I don't know that that that's going to be a big sticking point from they're going to have to really, really bring the awesome for me to be able to get over that because. I don't know. It just, that to me is what cap in that, in that setting was all about. You know, if this was cap, you know, after in his revival, it, yeah, exactly. You know, In the sixties or in modern times and he's battling Hydra or whatever, then that's fine. I, you know, because that's what he did when he came back in the sixties, but during world war two, nah, he should be kicking Nazi ass period. So I don't know. It, it's, we're, we're going to have to see where that goes, but, uh, so so Germany doesn't doesn't watch Raiders of the Lost Ark.
2: I, I was just, thinking
3: the same
0: thing. I, I don't know not.
2: exactly how it works. You got to realize that this is reading stuff that's on the well, internet from stuff right. that's stuff yeah. that's I, stuff. So
3: uh, well, I'll say this in my personal experience. I put a record up on eBay once called Hitler's March into Europe, and uh, it was Edward R. Murrow. You know basically narrating radio clips and stuff. And it was basically the the story of World War II, but it was, you know, about how, you know, what basically the Nazis did and how they were stopped. Documentary, you know, it wasn't like, hey, glorifying Hitler or anything. And I put it up for sale on eBay, and I put everything up for sale, you know, everywhere. World, You know, you can internationally bid on it. And the auction got taken down because it included in that, international was germany and it was illegal to sell that album because it had swastikas on the cover of it it had a picture you know of a nazi rally with edward r murrow you know stuck over it and there was another reporter narrator on it famous radio guy too but uh yeah it got taken down they're like no can't sell that in germany so there's definitely laws uh, about that stuff but you know Yeah, you're right. It is sort of a fundamental sort of, you know, I guess maybe Saving Private Ryan didn't play in Germany either, you know, or Schindler's List.
0: I I see this being the same. You know, there was a a rumored Superman movie a few years ago that sounded god-awful, where they were going to change fundamental things about his origin, one of them being that Krypton didn't blow up. And I'm like, no! You know, that come on. That's, that's essential to his origin. That's who Superman is rocketed to earth from an exploding planet. I mean, come on. I I see this the same way with captain America, you know, captain America formed because, you know, he, he saw what was going on with, with Hitler's march across Europe and said, no, you know, I want to do something about this. I want to serve my country, you know, and all that sort of, I I just don't know how they're going to replace that and whatever the replacement is, I just fear it's not going to ring true for the character. But I don't know. I, I'm willing to to check it out anyway, to give it a because try. I really do yeah. love Captain America. I love that really? character. Sadly, he's one of those characters that, you know, just doesn't get a lot of love, doesn't, you know, for, for as long as he's been around in all the books he's ever been in, there's really only a handful of great. Cap runs or great Cap stories, so I, I hope that this is jo- one jo of Joe
3: Johnson them. gets that time period though. You know he does. He yeah. captured it really well in the Rocketeer. I yeah. Think, so. Yeah. So I, I, you know that that's a that's a good sign.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a lot of the goodwill that he generated, you know, with with fans and with you know Mike and I in particular was the Rocketeer.
3: That's what gives me so much faith that this movie will be good. Oh. Uh. Great job! With that, I I liked I like this trend of real directors, you know, of of these movies getting treated like real movies, you know, like a real subject, right? You know, something that's you know that garners a Kenneth Kenneth Branagh is known for his. You know, I mean he's done, I, I, I believe in acting he's done like Broadway Shakespeare. you know he's known for being an expert on Shakespeare and, and doing really good Shakespeare.
2: Mo- movie and, well, apparently he came so. into those early meetings with Marvel like really excited to do the comic book version. right And really when you think about it with him doing having so much experience with Shakespeare and directing like the five hour Hamlet and all that, Thor is very, very operatic. Yeah, mythology. Yeah. 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 It's it's very operatic. It's very classical in in a way. And the...
3: Kill the wabbit, kill the (laughs) wabbit.
2: And all of the, you know, the human stuff looks really good. The stuff on Earth, especially the Destroyer and everything. Especially when in the second trailer where he walks in the middle of the street in just street clothes to take on the Destroyer. I'm like, hell yeah. But all the stuff on Asgard looks Shakespearean. It, it's, yeah. it's got that whole like mythical feel to it. And I think he, that's why he was the right director for this project is because he can balance those. Cause if you've ever seen dead again, I don't. I, I don't know if I have not.
3: I'm, no. I actually wrote that down the first time you said it because I'm it, like I'm it, gonna have to look it up and see that it, it's
2: it's. He's uh, Kenneth Branagh plays a private investigator who's trying to help this woman regain her memory, and it uncovers a murder mystery from the '40s. And Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson also play characters back then, and. not going to give any of it away because it has a twist at the end that will make you go, holy crap, what a great twist. And Robin Williams almost walks off with the movie in the two or three minutes he's in it, uh, where he plays a psychiatrist that slept with his patient so now he's working as like a grocery clerk and he, he helps out Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson. But it's a very noir detective type story. And it's very down-to-earth, and I think that's, uh, between that and all the other films I've seen him do, I think he can do this blindfolded. And the cast looks great. They got Jane Foster in it, which I was kind of excited to see, because that proves somebody read a fucking Thor comic at one point. Uh, you got, <laughs> you got um, what's his name? Lecter. Why can't I remember that actor's name?
0: Oh my God, Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, that's one of the. the, Yeah, that's one of the things I I am not crazy about. I cannot. I know you don't like him. I I
3: like him. I think he's a great.
2: He's Lawrence. I mean, that's right
3: up that's right up his alley. You know,
2: Lawrence Olivier is dead, so you need Anthony Hopkins. I
3: I'm a big fan of the. I I love Hannibal Lecter as a character, the books, the movies, and Anthony Perkins as Hannibal Lecter. So. He's got a special Anthony, place in my heart, <laughs> Anthony. Did I say Anthony Perkins? <laughs> yes. Anthony Perkins would have been a pretty Anthony Hopkins. Because I just watched the Black Hole a few days ago. I would have, I would have, so I would yeah, have liked Anthony to have seen Perkins what Brian Cox brain. would
2: have done with the character in subsequent films, but because I like Manhunter.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's uh, I mean, Man Manhunter and, uh, um, yeah. I mean that Hannibal Lecter is. Uh, to to me was just as effective as Hopkins' Lecter, you know. So, yeah, I I didn't think they had to remake that. I'm I'm gonna have to watch Manhunter again because that was really good. You reminded me. I had a note here to talk about the Avengers as well, but now I don't know what the hell that note was about. Joss Whedon. Yeah, I guess that was it. Yeah. I think that that's a good director. I mean, he's known for being a jo- genre director, but he's a good I I I at least I'm a fan of uh The Serenity you know, the I can never remember Firefly. Firefly was at the TV series and yes. Serenity was the movie. Yes. I always get the two confused, but I I love I love both of those or you know, it's basically just sort of one story. So I, I but I love that I thought he did a wonderful job. No, he's, he's going to
2: do a solid job with it. And I like the fact that all of the cast members, except for Edward Norton, which is kind of disappointing to me that Edward Norton isn't going to be Bruce Banner again because yeah. I thought he fucking nailed that role. Yeah, world. yeah. Um, that, that he's not going to be the character, play, you know, the actor playing Bruce Banner, but everybody else, uh, Robert Downey Jr., the guy playing Thor, Chris Evans. I, I was talking uh, months ago one of the kids that worked for me before he left was just like, are you looking forward to the Avengers film? And I say, yes, because this is the first time in history where you're going to have actors from the big budget movies of separate characters coming together to be in one movie together. They probably
3: all signed on in their contracts, except for, except for Norton. But I think they uh, had to do that.
2: But no, the, it's the first time this is ever going to happen. And DC, wake the fuck up. Yeah. Get your fucking act together and start cranking out these movies. Don't do this bullshit Wonder Woman set in LA. It's a businesswoman who becomes Wonder Woman and starts fighting crime. Have these what about people- World's Finest?
0: Yeah, what? that needs to happen.
2: Yeah, that, I mean, it, needs to happen. but it's not because because Nolan is very specific that the Dark Knight Batman and the Superman in the new film are in two separate universes. Yeah, and right.
3: it, yeah, I, I but just, you know what? Nolan doesn't. He only gets to dictate that for so long anyway.
2: True, but here's the thing: the wave is, is is riding now. It's not. It might not be there in ten years when he's no longer associated with the with the projects. Right. So Marvel has shown, even in the films that aren't all that good, uh, or weren't as good, like Daredevil or Ghost Rider, they showed that their attitude now is, let's get the core of who these characters are and get that right. Right. And all the other little tweaks won't make a difference. Iron Man was Iron Man. Thor looks like he's going to be Thor. Spider-Man was, at heart, Spider-Man. Daredevil, Ghost Rider all these marvel properties fantastic 4 fantastic 4 you know you can nitpick the films you can nitpick the the stories and all that all day long but at the core of all of those they had kind of an earnestness about them about who these characters are and why they are there and except for doctor doom who they completely fucked up <laughs> and for warner brothers and and for warner brothers and and dc not to look at Look at this over 10 fucking years 12, 13, if you want to count Blade, because Blade really started the Marvel movie renaissance. Right. They have just,
3: which is funny,
2: you know, it, it, it wasn't hit after hit after hit, but it was good at ad- adaptation after good at ad- adaptation after good adaptation. And for them not to see that and go, wow, we've got a major fucking studio behind us. Why can't we get this shit together? And now Marvel's got Disney behind them. Yep. Holy shit. Wouldn't you love to see Brad Bird do a Pixar Fantastic Four film?
0: Oh. Speaking of that, I heard, this is strictly a rumor, but I did hear something the other day that I thought was very interesting that i don't know if it's going to be a new section or an existing section is going to be re uh, rethemed and renamed but uh i got it from a reliable source that a section of disney parking is going to become superheroes and super villains which gives me great hope that disney's finally going to start doing something with the Marvel property that they bought and paid so much money for. They're, they're you know, running into a little, ago.
2: they're running into kind of a, of a problem with that because they have the the deal with universal studios right now.
0: They do. But what I think is probably going to happen. I think what needs to happen, honestly, I, I think they just need to take it on the nose. They need to do whatever they need to do to break that contract take it on the nose, pay the fine or whatever they're going to have to end up paying for, but in the long run, it's only going to benefit them because at the moment, yes, they're making money because they own the property, so whatever Universal's doing, they're getting a percentage of it. But, you know, if if they were to suddenly end that deal and Universal had to remove Marvel from their Islands of Adventure, I mean, you' You're talking just wiping that park out pretty much, I mean, because then the only thing they really have left is Harry Potter, and as awesome as that may be, now I haven't seen it myself, but I mean as big a draw as that is and as awesome as it may be, and all that sort of thing, there's also you know a huge percentage of people that could give a rat's ass about Harry Potter, you know that that aren't going to make you know a special trip all the way to Universal Orlando just for that. So, I mean that it could be a real blow to that park, which you know yes, they're competition, but they're not you know heavy competition i mean their their numbers are far, far, far behind Disney, but at the same rate, you know that that could really clean their clock over there, so. Not to mention the fact that I, I think it's, it's just—it's hard, hard to get to, mad
3: at a uh, yeah, and it's hard to dislike a theme park too, you know, because right. it's a theme park. <laughs> it's right. just hard to be like, Where right? The fuck that place.
0: Well, I mean, I just I think it's embarrassing though to have you know D- Disney owns this property, yet they can't use it. You know, their right. their competitor across the street has it. That that's you know that can't persist for you know for too much longer. So it's weird.
3: Well, you know, I don't think Disney's owned it for very long to no. say that they're finally doing stuff with it because you know it takes time to develop that stuff, and and they probably couldn't, they probably didn't want to start trying to develop it before they knew they had it, you know. And once right. they had it, then they were probably like, "All right, let's start setting up some committees and figuring out what we're gonna do," and then they have to figure out how they're gonna do it. So you well, know, although they, they had some,
2: pl- I'm, I'm sure
3: they had ideas, but oh, go I, ahead,
2: Mike. Well, pretty much, like, the day after it was announced, they set up the, the animation and television end of it with, and put Jeff Loeb in charge of it. So I'm sure they they, they had some things on, on the books ready to go to start doing it. And if you look, you know, it's like, you know, the Avengers cartoon, which it had been in, in development before the deal, was suddenly put on Disney XD. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now... Disney XD, I don't know if they're showing Batman or Superman anymore because they had the license to show that. And it was really weird because you'd watch like an entire night's worth of programming that had all the Marvel series from the 90s and Spider-Man and his amazing friends and Superman and Batman mixed up in it. So it's like I it was a little kid again, almost, because it used, cause for the longest time those were like, uh, you know, the DC animated stuff was on the WB and the Marvel stuff was on Fox Kids and Never the Twain Shall Meet, so... i i I thought it was awesome
0: i'll tell you what with all the stuff that that disney's doing with with marvel and all the movies that are coming out and and just the awesomeness that they're bringing to at least the the you know the media side of marvel you know i don't know how the comics are doing presently because i'm not i'm not into the comics at the moment but just with the movies that they're putting out i'm telling you i favor more and more all the time this idea that that disney could eventually own dc comics as well because if they could do dc comics movies half as well as they're doing with the marvel comics movies i, I would be totally for that deal because you know seeing the guys that that did dark Knight, you know getting their grubby hands on superman just you know it's it's given me night sweats you know <laughs>
2: the main thing there though for me is that at this point i think warner brothers deserves to lose it oh yeah absolutely i'm not a fan of one company owning both comic book companies because i think it's it's better when they're both companies at if it works right will do their best when they're competing against each other and if you lump them all together i don't i I don't think it would work as well they might get lazy i don't
0: know Um, i'm I, not to disagree, because I, I, I completely see where you're coming from, but at the same rate, I don't know why I feel this way, but ever since I was a kid, I've always seen it as a fore, foregone conclusion that eventually both companies would end up being owned under under one house. I, I don't know why, I just have
3: always felt that way. I've always felt that way too, but that's just sort of how business works in America a lot of times, you right. know, is is... You know, some major corporation would buy out one, you know, Marvel or DC first and then would be like, all right, now it's time to acquire the other one, you know, like Clear Channel or something, you know, I could see Clear Channel having Marvel and DC and even having them compete again, you know, but it's funny, you know, a corporation can could own Marvel and DC and they would be two separate arms of that corporation and they could compete for for favor and like getting more funds and stuff. So if you Yeah, know. but
2: but but the problem but it's there not is the same, yeah. What is the a company is not gonna own two different properties and say, Well, I want this one to fail over and I want right. this one to succeed. So right.
3: No, but and, each one of them is going to want to succeed better, would be theoretically what they would. I want to make, you know, we both want to make money, but we want to make more money than Marvel just so we yeah, get a when, bigger bonus this year or whatever. When one mean.
2: company doesn't make as much as the other company, the parent company's like, what am I going to drop?
3: Right, 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 right. So there. <laughs> well, that I, gives you incentive to compete too, sort of, to an extent. But, but, but,
0: but. What I what I could see happening though, and and you know, a few years ago, I might not have favored this idea so much when when I was enjoying the content that DC and Marvel were putting out. But now that I you know honestly don't give a rat's ass about what they're putting out because I just don't enjoy it anymore, I would totally be behind, you know, Disney acquiring DC Comics, and then you've got a mega event on the scale of crisis on infinite earths that brings those two universes together i I would totally be down for that
2: i am so against that it's not even funny really (laughs) yes because dc and marvel each have their own flavors they have their own feelings feel they have their own atmospheres and they work individually based on those parameters if you bring them both together you're going to homogenize it and it's not going to be as good
0: i don't know i mean i i think that's a very mark wade way of looking at it which which i don't completely disagree with but at the same rate you know since i was a kid you know playing with my migo figures and you know you had cap and spider-man hanging out with superman and batman I just I never minded it, you know, it, to me that it was just that's well, the way it was. They all hung out together. I would love that. You know, I would really and, like. And, to I, and I did the, the
2: same fish. thing. But uh-huh. there's a difference between that kind of cool, you know, like when you're a kid and you have all your toys together and they all work together because you're making up the adventures and such and then trying to figure out everything story wise which would be the more important part when you're reading comic books. Right. Because then you got to figure out how they work. Superman as he stands, as he's created, does not work within the Marvel framework. Marvel characters are more often than not internally based. It is their flaws and their and, and, and their abilities come basically from within if you look at dc's characters all of their abilities are on you know are given to them and i'm not saying that in an insulting way but you know superman was born on another planet that's what gives him superpowers the flash was hit by lightning green Green lantern lantern was given a ring by a um by a group of space cops, basically, and over in Marvel, you know, Spider-Man was bitten by a, a radioactive spider, but his main reason to be is because of the death of his uncle Ben and how he fucked up.
3: Yeah, Mike, you should write a book on that thesis.
2: You yeah, know, but what
0: about Batman, though? I mean, if anybody earned it more than any of other character, Batman earned it more than any of the other characters did because. And, and- you know, he was and, just a, a puny kid that made himself into the ultimate fighting machine, and that is know? why
2: Batman is like one of the few DC characters that could theoretically fit into the Marvel universe as they both stand. And it's not this co- and and okay, part of it is the Coke versus Pepsi mentality that I have in my head. You know, the 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 Russia versus the United States growing up in the '80s really fucked me up um, with this, but you know, I, I like. I like there to be rivalries mainly because I like to see each one try to fight for supremacy. And if they're all, and if they're all together, it's just not as exciting to me.
0: I don't know, dude, I, I I have to disagree because I think if you could do that story in a way to where at the end of the story, they realize that they've been forced together, you know, not, not a crisis on infinite earth scenario to where at the end of the story they have always existed on this one earth and and all their origins are all amalgamated now to where it's always been this way but to where they now all exist on one earth but they realize full well that that you know this is a forced situation you know the same way that that we got 20 years worth of of stories out of crisis on infinite earth exploring the the post crisis earth and and the new dynamic that had been created i think you've easily got at least 20 years of stories exploring okay now wonder woman and wonder man live on the same earth you know you now you've got you know just all kinds of dynamics i, I think it could really be exciting i would love to see you know what, so what you the instead of of superman you know that that all of a sudden well, now this this prick thinks he's in charge, you know, just because he's got all these cool powers and everything, he's going to come here and tell us how to run things. I don't think so. You know, I think you could still have the same tensions and the same things that would go on in a classic Marvel DC mashup, except now they're under one band. You could do these in lengthy storylines. I mean, you you could really play this stuff out and really explore it much more than you
3: could in a in a one shot or even a mini series. I wish that we could draw comics, because then we, then I would just say, dude, you should just draw it up and put a bootleg right. out of like well, your Marvel and DC universe clash.
2: It, you know, comic. I'm not, I'm not arguing that there isn't story potential there. I'm just, I'm just thinking of kind of the logistics of the whole thing. I mean, when, when you look at DC and Marvel, like as they stand right now. Yeah, they're they're putting out like 15 billion fucking Batman titles and, you know, Daredevil is getting, you know, like three titles and all that kind of stuff. But if they were all under one house, that kind of mitigates the number of books that would be out there and you might lose out on some really great DC and Marvel characters. Because yeah. they don't they, they want to push the big names over the the quote unquote, B-listers and C-listers.
0: Right. I, I I agree with you. But I mean, comics are always going to be that way. I mean, it's always going to be where you'll have 15 Batman titles and some great new book that comes out can't survive seven issues because it just gets buried in the mix. I mean, you, that's always going to happen, whether they're separate companies or not. I, I'm just looking at it from an angle of, Frankly, I'm tired of Batman hunting down the Joker. I'm tired of Superman versus Lex Luthor. I'm tired of so many of the clichés that we've had now for all these years. I'm ready for, you know, the Avengers don't like Superman living in their universe. You know, I'm ready for, you know, a true Batman versus Captain America knockdown drag-out fight, who who's the last man standing. You know, I'm ready for you know, the Justice League wants to embrace Spider-Man, you know, whereas the you know, the heroes that he had always been on his earth kind of snubbed him. That sort of thing. I would I think that you've got an infinite possibility of of really interesting and great stories that you could explore much more than you know aunt may and her 90th heart attack you know i mean i just don't give a shit about those stories anymore yeah I,
2: I just I, don't i heard it's...
3: this time they had to take veins from her legs to <laughs>
2: they put a they put a pig uh, terrible pig yeah. vessel in there too
3: i hear she's got a big old pig heart beating in there yeah <laughs>
0: Well, I, I want to throw this out to the listeners. I hope we get some serious feedback on this topic. I really would like to know. You know what? What would you guys think of that? You know, w- you know, are you for it? Are you against it? You know, you, you see the pros and see the cons. What what kind of thing? Because I don't know. The more I think about it, the you know. And, and of course, you know this this topic originally came up because of the movies. I mean, I'm seeing it actually more from a movie standpoint because I'm just disgusted with what DC's doing and what they're failing to do with these properties as movie potential. Uh I mean, because I still think as much as I like what Marvel's putting out with their movies, I still love the DC universe and the DC cast of characters more, you know, I'm more attached to those and it just pains me (laughs) That they can't put out a Superman movie that's worth a shit. That they can't make a decent Batman film. I mean, Jesus Christ, what have we had now? Like, six Batman movies? They all suck.
2: What is up with that? It's kind of funny that you say that, because historically, I'm a DC guy, too. But between DC as a comic book company, just doing things I don't like, and it's not that I think Marvel is is really doing all that much better. It's just I was more of a DC person. Mm -hmm. Uh, Between that... And the movies uh, outside of Superman, I am, as I get older, becoming more of a Marvel person. Mm-hmm. But that's actually going back to when I first started reading comics, because all the comics I read before I started collecting Superman, and that was the first book I collected on a regular basis, were all Marvel books. And, you know, when I was a kid, it was the Incredible Hulk TV show and Spider Man and His Amazing right. Friends and right. shit like that. So, I mean, you had the Superman movies and the Batman TV series. But there was just so much more Marvel stuff out there. So it's weird to be coming back to that in a way. And all the the, outside of the Incredible Hulk titles and Spider-Man, those are the only new books I'm reading. Right now, all of the comics I'm reading are Marvel books from the 80s. I'm like going if, through Uncanny and New Mutants and Alpha Flight and New Defenders and uh, the Spider-Man titles. And and, and eventually all the
3: stuff I know. Yeah.
2: So, you know, and, and I'm really enjoying the shit out of them, too. So,
0: well, you know, it's funny because I had heard a lot growing up, you know, a, a lot of times over the years of collecting that, you know, you may start out. Uh, you know that most everybody starts out with DC, but then they grow up into Marvel. And I always kind of rejected that notion, but more and more, it seems like it it's it's almost a truism because I I feel the same way, you know. It, but it's not so much that I grew out of DC as I just grew disheartened with DC, yeah. You know,
2: I I think that's that's it for me too. It's just like you have pushed me away. And I'm not saying that it was a personal thing, but the decisions they've made and the creative decisions they've made have pushed me away to the point where I can hardly look at the old stuff that I liked. Plus, and and, and this has something to do with it too, I've climbed that mountain. Right. You know, I've read every issue of The Flash from 1978 to 2005. You know, I read... The you know Green Lantern for 20 years and Batman 20 years worth of Batman and all that and learned and 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 followed a bunch of different titles and Justice League and all that it's just like okay now I'm still really into comics I haven't I haven't moved beyond that so now I'm gonna go across the street basically and see what they have to offer right so that that plays into it too it's not like it's not like, I'm no Marvel zombie, and I hate DC, and ho, ho, ho. Uh, you know, and, and it's not like, <laughs> you know, you go that, from... Yeah. It's not like I've gone from Judaism to Christianity either, because, uh, you know, it's that, re- that doesn't really work, except when you're going from being a Batman fan to a Superman fan, I think. Um, going Old Testament to New Testament. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of how it works out in my head. But with Marvel doing so well at promoting it fucking self. It plays into that a lot too, because all you see is Marvel stuff. You go to the store and you're in the toothpaste aisle and there's Wolverine and Iron Man and Spider-Man electric toothbrushes there. Right. And I have a Spider-Man electric toothbrush now, by the way. Nice. Um, And you go to the snack Section like across from cereal and Walmart and there's Spider-Man gummy snacks. You know, you go to the toy aisle and there's this whole fucking rack of, in Walmart and, and even in, in Target uh, to a certain extent, of Iron Man toys and Marvel Universe toys. And there's a DC section too, but it's not as prolific and it's not as out there as everything else. You go into where the fucking birthday invitations and, and and bags and wrapping paper are and it's it, you know Spider-Man it has this huge presence and Iron Man has this huge presence and you like maybe get a Superman bag or maybe a Batman bag. You know they just got to get off their fucking asses and and do something about this and stand up or Marvel is going to walk all over them. Mm-hmm. Again. Right. And I and agreed. that's your one to grow on. <laughs> well, guys, that's I the ta- truth. I gotta <sighs> take off. Um,
0: now, I was just wondering if you were noticing the time down here. I did,
2: but I really wanted to play this conversation out to its natural conclusion because nice. we got on the we got on that wave and I wanted to ride it all the way to shore. Because <laughs> <laughs> frankly, that was awesome. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's the kind of podcasting I, I like to do. <laughs>
3: Otherwise, you'd be drifting out to sea.
2: <laughs> so I'm going to let you guys go and do Walking Dead, and I'll uh, we'll try to plan it a little more out there next yeah. month, and uh, maybe do the X-Men, too, if you guys are still interested in Ooh. doing that. I, we certainly are. <laughs> but this was a lot of fun.
3: All right, do your zombie walk-off to work, your zombie <laughs> shuffle-off <laughs> to the job. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Good luck finding (laughs) any.
2: You guys take it easy.
3: Later, Mike. Bye.
2: Bye Bye-bye. Bloop.
3: We're back with, uh, after a long hiatus, break, neglect, or whatever, we're finally back to The Walking Dead. We've sort we sort of like, I not consciously, but we haven't been doing The Walking Dead lately. It, it, it sort of coincided with the TV show is on, but we're back and with a vengeance, we're back with Walking Dead issue number 31, and, uh, I am here to tell you what it's all about. So, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're back in the town and we see uh Martinez and he's, he's on the perimeter sort of guarding the, the town. And it's the day of the big arena fight where they have gladiatorial fight in, in, uh, in an arena with zombies, you know, tied up around the edges to, to make things more exciting. And, uh, he's relieved by another guy who's been sent to, uh, To relieve him and tells him hey the governor wants to go uh have a little meeting with you so he goes off to do that and uh so meanwhile we see the doctor sort of tending to rick's stumpy right hand he's making sure it doesn't get infected and and trying to impress on on rick you know what a serious injury that he has and um he's sort of uh you know the doctor isn't isn't the most uh he's uh your typical sort of mccoy he's a grumbler and he's not the happiest guy with the governor and he sort of informs rick that uh that the room that they're in is uh ever since rick's been feeling better and up and around has been uh under guard so uh rick isn't too happy about that and uh so then uh harold shows up and harold's a big burly guy he's one of the fighters who's going to be in the ...in the arena tonight... ...and he's got a bunch of bandages... ...from the last bout that he had... ...and he wants the doctor to take him off... ...because they don't look good... ...when you go out to the fight... ...he wants to look, you know... ...all scarred up and... and ...badass for the fight... ...so, uh... ...you know, uh... ...he's, he's sort of happy-go-lucky... ...he's enjoying the attention of being a... ...a gladiator... ...and, uh... ...all of a sudden... This other guy, Eugene, bursts in, and he's the other fighter who's gonna gonna fight him tonight. He's pissed. In the uh, in the last fight, they had Harold smashed out all his teeth, and he's like, you know, hey, come on, we're supposed to put on a good show, but you knocked my teeth out. You know, we're in post-apocalypse world. I ain't getting any more teeth. I'm pissed and. You know, Harold sort of is like, yeah, I feel bad for you, dude, but what the hell? And Eugene says, I'll tell you what the hell, and pulls out a knife and stabs him in the side of the throat and just sort of walks off. So uh, later on, we cut to the governor, and we find out that, uh, yeah, Harold didn't really make it, you know, so they're short a gladiator, and uh, he decides he's going to cut Michonne a deal uh, and, uh, says, you know, look, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, up your treatment here. You know, I'll give you a break from my, uh, quote unquote attentions and, you know, maybe get you a bad, get you a little better treatment. If, uh, if you go out there and put on a show in, in the gladiator ring and, uh, you don't see her agree, but apparently she agrees. To, to do this, and uh, you know, but she's not to kill Eugene. She's supposed to put up a good fight, and the governor figures, ah, eh, we'll give her a sword. Eugene'll have a bat, so they won't feel so bad when he beats the hell out of her. You know, since she has a sword, since she's a girl. Um, so meanwhile, you know, back in the doctor's office, uh, Martinez, who's who we've, you know, we saw earlier, stops in to talk to the doc. He sees Rick there and he's like, hey, man, I remember you. And then sees Rick's hand and is like, hey, what the hell happened? You know, and Rick freaks out on him and sort of, you know, collars him. And, you know, you did this to me. You turned me over to this psycho. And uh, Martinez is like, hey, whoa, what the hell? And the doctor breaks him up and sort of has a little conversation with Martinez, who says, hey, look, the governor's concerned that you're you're bitching and moaning and wants to make sure you know that everything's okay with you and wants to make you happy and uh you don't really see what where that's going but the doctor's like oh does he know and uh so meanwhile the the fight's getting ready to go down and uh it looks like a good amount of the town's out the governor's happy there's a good attendance and uh he's gonna put on a good show tonight so uh they bring Michonne out with her with her uh, sword, and uh, and Eugene with his baseball bat. And Michonne just sort of unceremoniously walks up to him, kicks him in the balls, and beheads him. And then just goes around and and beheads all the zombies. And uh, you know the governor's enraged, you know, and and the crowd also is is disgusted and pissed off because. They came for World Wrestling Federation and they got, you know, just an execution, a murder. And so they're yelling stuff at the governor. And he he's irate. He just... He he basically... He wants to kill Michonne. You know, he's, he's just... He's asking people to give him reasons not to just kill her. So, uh, back to Rick. Um, he's just getting to know Alice, the doctor's assistant, who sort of stumbled into being I don't know if you'd call her a nurse or a doctor she's just sort of an apprentice she's picking it up by watching the doctor do his job and um, you know Rick's Rick's sort of uh, uh, you know either either starting up a friendship or you know just sort of putting out a probe but they're you know they're having a little conversation getting to know each other when Martinez just sort of bursts in and tells Rick come on man we're busting you out of here and that's the end of Issue number thirty-one. Yeah, pretty intense. It is. It's it is. This is a dead. good issue. I love this issue. I mean, the scene where the governor is talking to Michonne, and it's a, a word. I mean, Michonne doesn't say a word in this this issue. I mean, the cover is her just standing with her sword, facing a whole bunch of zombie hands with this look of just grim determination. But when the, the governor's been torturing and raping her and when you see him giving this really ca- and he's been you know, he's got this whole psycho condescending manner of talking to people and you know he's having this whole um, say you know, sadistic conversation with her where he's taunting her and just sort of saying, You know, I could treat you better. I'm sort of sick of servicing you anyway, so I'll give you a little break. I need a break myself. And you see her face, her head is in the shadow, and just basically her eyes and mouth are sticking out. She's bruised and battered, and her eyes are insane and just hateful and insane in her mouth. And you can see that, you know, that he has... that. He's got actually her where he wa- wanted wanted her psychologically, but you can see through her eyes that she is just she is just gone she is enraged and you know and it's it's just so insanely powerful you, the the artwork is so expressive there, and yeah when she's set free. To to for the fight I don't know how, why the governor thought that she was going to play along with him but yeah and she just you know takes off the guy's head and you see the look on her the blank evil look on her face you're just like this woman is b- been pushed way beyond you know any place she'd ever want to be and uh,
0: the panel I find really disturbing in this particular issue is the third panel ah shit the pages aren't numbered again it's when the fight starts Uh uh-huh and you see you know michonne's facing this guy what was his name eugene they're facing each other she's got her sword out he's got his bat he looks like he's gonna knock her friggin' brains out and she just right in the balls with it looks like she's got combat boots on Mm -hmm. And, but the the panel that, that just, I, oh, it's just really, really eerie and disturbing is, so he's down on the ground doing the classic, you know, both hands cupping his balls, you know, he's he's down, he looks like he's probably going to puke, and she just lobs his head off. Yeah. And the look on his face is, I mean, what a way to die, you know? I mean, you're you're in agony because you've just been kicked in the boys, but then... You know, it, it's the look on his his beheaded head as it falls to the ground is a look of both, you know, pain, pain and, and anguish, but also just surprise, like, you know, now I'm dead on top of this, yeah.
3: you know? It's like, wow. I mean, that's really powerful. Well, he just got, he probably just, he got his teeth knocked out the day before. Right. And then he probably got bitched out by the governor for killing Harold. You know, now what am I gonna do? I gotta find another gladiator. You're lucky. You're lucky. I'm gonna let you fight because you're a good fighter. But he probably got bitched out for that. And now he goes out and he's just like, "All right, I'll put on a good show of fighting, fighting this girl." And uh, yeah, and then he's dead instantly. She just doesn't even, you know, and he doesn't even have a chance because he doesn't even think it's a real fight at that point. And right. she just. You know, she's just like, screw it. I don't care anymore. And when you see her face, I mean, her... I mean, you you see people beat up a lot of times in comic books, but, I mean, her face is messed up. It's swollen. Her nose is, you know, she's messed up. You know, she looks like a person who's been physically messed up. It's very... It's very disturbing and very... uh... And I like how they keep intercutting also shots of like Alice and and Rick in the in the hospital were just sort of sitting there, you know, while the zombie right. and with close-ups of the zombies. It's yeah, it's it's super 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 intense. And then she just finishes off the zombie. She doesn't even have to do that. She just finishes finishes off the zombies to ruin the the governor's, you know, good time after yep. that. And I and I love the shots of the crowd. Just like, you know, that's this. She knows that second is the beginning of, if not the downfall of the governor, at least the 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 crack in his perfect world. You know, is, you know, all the people are like, oh man, he just screwed up. You know, all these people are shocked. You know, even after well, the other- all they've seen, they're shocked by that. The other moment in this that I, I think is just
0: genius on uh, Kirkman's part—it's it, it, somewhat subtly done. I think this is a is an excellent, um, what do you want to call it? Uh, commentary. On rednecks, because this is a very redneck thing to do, you know. Yeah. Well, you you called it with the WWF thing. It, this, that's totally what this is. This is this is your your wrestling, your NASCAR. It's almost, it's almost this is more the, like American gladiators. Yeah. You know, th- is the this is their post-apocalyptic version of of wrestling and NASCAR. You know, it's you got all the hillbillies are gathered up in their in their you know little stadium, and they're gonna watch this event, and you've got this woman. Uh uh-huh. yeah. just she's ratty looking. I mean, this is this is she's got you know, two you're... ratty
3: looking kids.
0: Yeah, and I love this little thing that she does because it reminds me. You know, I, I just moved from from Georgia. I, I was there for seventeen years, and I can just see this woman in the Walmart. I can just see this woman with her two little scurvy kids in the Walmart and you accidentally <laughs> bump into her with your shopping cart and this and is what goes light in India yes. yeah and, and so here's what she's I just gotta read this cause I think it's I think it's a perfect commentary because I have I've encountered I can't even tell you how many people exactly like this crazy <laughs> woman and she hollers at the guard this is right after Michonne has has done you know, thing. chopped yeah. teen's head off and decapitated all the zombies she says hey hey you son of a bitch what the hell was that shit? I don't bring my boys out here for that. I bring my boys to the fights for some good, clean fun. This was a goddamn massacre. massacre. I don't want my boys watching a fucking murder. I love that. I don't want my boys watching a fucking murder. You know, it's okay for her boys to sit right there and listen to her say this, yes, right? Yes, right, right. You've traumatized them. I came here for looking, for looking for some broken bones, a few missing teeth, and maybe a little blood. Not this This is way too much Are you listening to me? And I'm just thinking, Yep, yep. Typical hillbilly, uh, you know Hey,
3: goddammit, yeah, I'm talking know- to you. Don't walk away from me, get back here. But that's the moment where the governor's losing his authority. People are you yep. know people are yelling at him, you know, and you can see the guy behind her looking at her with that mixture of like Don't say that to the governor and at the same time going, you know, going, man probably thinking exactly what you just said
0: <laughs> i mean i have i have god bless them you know I, they're they're family and all but i have some some relation right that they, they've they got these boys and they're just hellions right and it's like the the they, these kids have been raised on a steady diet of you know wrestling and you know super ultra violent movies and shit And then, you know, the parents and their their yeah. You know, why are these kids completely out of control? And I'm thinking, really? Really? This is a mystery to you? You know, from the age of two years old, they didn't have Barney and Sesame Street. They had Wrestling and Rambo and Predator and, you know, fucking Friday the 13th movies and Saw and all this. And you're
3: wondering why these kids are freaks. You know, it's like, no, there's Im- no mystery at all here. I you saw know? some twisted stuff when I was a kid, but those Saw movies probably, you know, like uh, like a five or six year old seeing a Saw movie could really, uh, really yeah. do some. I'm, I, I I'm, I'm, I, I don't want to say damage, but it would definitely have effect <laughs> on on a little kid's psychology for sure. Those, yeah, that's a. Some... Some twisted stuff, but yeah, of course, of course, that's what they emulate. Plus, you couple that with little kids or spazzes anyway, so you just add that stuff together. Yeah, I love, I love that Kirkman. Yeah, assumed that that's what that even with all the violence inherent in, probably as an effect of all the inherent violence in the a zombie apocalypse. That's why people's entertainment sort of mirrors that. You know, you sort of need something that intense i guess to maybe take your mind off of um what's going on you know around in there and uh yeah i this this is one of those those issues that has that perfect combination of insane intensity and nice quiet moments you know interspersed within you know mostly having to do with rick you know especially the scene with rick and alice is a nice little relaxed moment of two people actually having a you know conversation and rick talks about missing his wife and you know she's pregnant if i remember properly
0: looking back on on my history reading this title if i remember properly i think this was the the first issue where I I think this may have been the issue that won me over about Michonne because up to this point, she was the character that I didn't like. She, she was the, the main one that I just looked at and said, no, she's out of place in this title because it was like, you had all these real world people in there. You know, you had Rick and Glenn and the old man and all these people that I could, I could actually see existing in the real world. And then you had, um, it's just that sword De's
3: old friend, you know, and it was like,
0: what the hell you know why is Electra
3: in? There? it's you yeah, know? well, that's the thing is when but, but when you break when you take the sword away from her and her kick acidness with the sword, she was what like a a a lawyer not a was she a lawyer i think she, she was like a legal assistant uh, right or some shit yeah, right like she that, had yeah. a, a a fair you know a mundane a mundane high end job. And was just, you know, a, perf- uh, a girl with, you know, boyfriends and a job and, you know, living her life. And and she became the kick-ass swordsman and stuff. But, yeah, that's uh, it, it, exactly when she showed up as a character sort of dressed snappy and with a sword and with, with zombies chained up with her. Although that ended up making sense, you know, when you realize why she did it. It was very melodramatic and it was sort of like, that's sort of like what I was expecting from normal zombie comics, you know, where they would start getting cheesy or start having to be comic book-like by having a hot hot girl with a sword, you know? So the geeks could be like, ooh, she's hot, but yeah, but... Her character is... I reacted to that cover when that cover came out because that was still early enough
0: in the series where, you you know, people still had their doubts, you know? And I remember seeing that cover to that issue and going, well, here we go, you know? And thankfully, it didn't turn out to be, you know, the, the shark jumping moment, but it was just that cover alone of... You know, you've got these two armless chained zombies mm-hmm. and you've got, you know, the black Electra holding the chain between them with her sword and I just remember looking at that going, comic booky. Yeah. You know, Well if she was and like think-
3: overweight or something, I would have been like, Oh, interesting, but that she was hot, you know, that she was cut and athletic and, and pretty was just I like think she should She should have a, a like a
0: I think what it what really did it was the katana. I think if it, it was yeah. a machete or something yeah. that it would be totally different. You know because people I mean, have machetes on, in who, their who garage. Around, exactly. Who walks through life with a with a katana? And even though an explanation was I've given I've known in- people back- who've
3: had katanas and stuff but for the most part they're they're cheesy toys or or right. or or, stu- or decorative things, you know, not a real like samurai sword, you know and she right. obviously has a real nice sword, you know. So but yeah, I mean, but yeah, it, she turned out to be like one of the best characters in the whole thing of, you know, of the yeah. whole competition of like who's going to be who's going to be tougher and survive more, you know? Cuz she's, you know, arguably if you put her and Rick side by side, I don't know who I, I think I'd rather be Rick than Michonne you know as far as like things that I've it's hard to say you know but I, right. I think what happened you know what's happening with her and the governor here is probably like the most traumatic thing that's happened to a character in this story so far in The Walking Dead so far with zombies and everything it's been a human on human evil cause 'Cause what was done to her wasn't just visceral violence, it was psychological violence on top of it, you know. The, the, right. the, her tormentor was also conscious of what he what he was doing and doing it out of pure malevolence, you know. So right. and whereas Rick Rick got a little bit of that, but you know, it's like I'll chop your hand off, chop and it's just like and in, in a way, for Rick, that's almost a little... Gives him a, even more tough guy cred, you know? It makes him more of the... Whereas Michonne, it's just making her fucking insane. <laughs> and deservedly so. Or, you know, understandably so. But, uh... Yeah, this... This whole... You know, I forgot we were hopping right back into the middle of this story arc. This story arc is... Is... Is intense. <laughs> Yep. and it's it's very it's uh, it's one of the darkest moments in the in a very dark comic book and the the governor is just like definitely the darkest character in this whole thing and i can't wait to see how it plays out in the tv show and that reminds me i've almost forgot is um people probably know it already but they are putting out all the first 52 issues of The Walking Dead the first year of The Walking... or the first more than a year, but a year's worth of Walking Deads as a weekly. So you can get issues number 1 through 52 at your local comic shop every week. I think they're up to maybe... they got to be up to like 5 now, 5 or 6. I'm thinking 5. I've got the first... <laughs> Four issues, I believe, and they're just uh, they're just exact. They're pretty much exact reprints. They you know they have the word weekly on the on the cover, but the they're the same cover. I these. think they're the same. I think they're two ninety nine. Um, Thanks. Yeah, but they're you know they're they're the exact same. They're the same cover to me. I missed the first twelve. Or 13 issues. I think I have to get 12 or 13 issues. So in three or four months, I'll be able to have I have them in trades. I have the first two trades. But I would rather have the floppies. So th- right. it'll be cool to have, you know, I could, you know, I like when I go to reread The Walking Dead, I like just reaching in and grabbing a handful of the issues and reading them. I, and I like, you know, the the having it cut up into issues. I like you know opening up the comic and reading it and getting to the end of it and then reading the letters and, and stuff they're reprinting all the letters original letters pages too so that should be really interesting because that's, stu- that's the stuff I haven't seen <laughs> at all right. in those first issues I've read all the, the comic content of it so the, those first letters should be really interesting Of and it's probably full of people going you know please don't jump the shark <laughs> please don't let this girl be some superhero Electra, you know? Right. And, Cause that, that's definitely going to fall into that area. Although I think I have the floppies by the time that was happening, by the time they're in the prison, I was, I was already on board all aboard.
0: Well, it, it only gets more exciting from here. I yeah. think. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to where we're going in this and, and what we're going to have to say about it. Um I think we need to wrap up for this time. I think we've
3: uh about uh about um covered all that we <laughs> need to need to cover or want to cover. Um
0: Well, thanks to uh thanks to our buddy uh Mike for joining us. Sorry, he had to bow out early, but we ran a little bit long. We ran we ran past his uh his time for this episode, it's... but he'll be back Next month, next Comics Monthly Monday, we'll be covering more Walking Dead. We're gonna, um, we're, we'll have our topic of uh, five stories that you like better than Dark Knight, and
3: just whatever the hell else comes along. And
0: I'll, I'll try to find time to read some comics
3: myself. So, cool. You better watch out, man. Like Frank Miller is gonna do a podcast of like five podcasters I like better than Scott Gardner. <laughs>
0: Did you know you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite two true freaks affiliated shows? That's right. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all. Tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S Libson
3: is spelled L I B S Y N. You can email two true freaks directly at two true freaks at gmail.com. Join
0: our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find two true freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook, too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks
3: t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up.
0: We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts, for more information, visit
3: comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening,
0: and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two, Two True, True, Freaks. True Freaks.
1: Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by DeManzo Core of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.